Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, it's Elizabeth betrayed and i think we have to apologize again (laughs) we keep getting it wrong every time oh my god (laughs) we were like sure last week that or last episode that this was going to be another dud which it has to be said the love letters for sale was in fairness, that was a dud. Yeah, for yes. sure. But like, I think our expectations had been so lowered <laughs> by the kind of thoughts of another, oh, Elizabeth misunderstanding book. We were just like, oh, for fuck's sake, this again. But like, I had an absolute blast reading this. Oh, me too. The, I think the new ghostwriter is on the case. This is a lot more sort of wit and sparkle to this one than yeah. some previous books. Definitely. Uh, it's got a genuinely funny B plot. Mm. It's got um, it's it's one of those books where Jessica is kind of brilliant. Uh, she's kind of on form like she was in um, what was the last time that everyone thought Elizabeth is something terrible that she didn't? The oh, stolen, that, stolen Diary. Yes. Yes. It's it's Jessica in Stolen Diary mode where she's just being hilarious and brilliant, and you love to see it because it's not all the time. <laughs> it is not, but we do see it in this book, and it is uh, an absolute delight. And I guess we'll dive right in with taglines and blurbs. And the cover tagline is. Is Elizabeth ruined at Sweet Valley High? I mean, of course she fucking isn't. We no. wish. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> can you share the back cover line, please? I can. And delightfully, it's actually a sentence. It's usually like two words and oh, an ellipsis yeah. more often than not. <laughs> but yeah, we have a specific actual sentence and it goes, Has desperation turned Elizabeth into a cheat? And I mean, as usual, on both cover and back cover, the answer is no. <laughs> but uh, you will see, listeners, that even though there is a pointless misunderstanding in this book, it is not as drawn out and tedious as they usually are. Mm. And here's the full blurb. When Elizabeth Wakefield has a chance to edit the Oracle, Sweet Valley High's newspaper, she's thrilled. Then a flu epidemic hits her staff. Oh, oh a bit close to too real. Looking <laughs> <Fucking> real. <laughs> and Elizabeth is left with more than she can handle. Olivia Davidson's boyfriend, Rod Sullivan, saves the day with a great article. I have questions about this article. <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth is so impressed, she accepts Rod's help on an English assignment. The next thing Elizabeth knows, she's accused of plagiarism and kicked off the Oracle <gasps> staff. Oh, my God. Oh, did we ever think we'd see this day? The stakes have never been higher. 
<laughs> Even when they were kidnapped. Kidnapped. That no, doesn't count. <laughs> Without support from anyone, Elizabeth is on her own to get to the bottom of this accusation. That's not true. That is so untrue. Oh my God. Like just, it is rude how untrue that is because she does fuck all. This is all Jessica and Olivia being great and solving things. But anyway. <laughs> we'll continue. Can't she clear her name before her reputation is ruined and she loses her job on the Oracle? Forever? <gasps> I mean, even all the stuff about her reputation being ruined and, you know, is Elizabeth ruined at Sweet Valley High? Nobody knows, besides Mr. Collins and her friends, why she was kicked off the Oracle. Very true, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really did think this was going to be like dragged out over the entire plot. And mm-hmm. thankfully, it's all kept very kind of compact and towards the end. So there was loads of other great stuff going on in the run up to it. Uh, so I was just glad it wasn't like they didn't just tear the arse out of it, which they very often do. Oh, they certainly did love letters for sale. Bloody mm. hell. But uh, no, you're right. This there, there are loads of great things going on in this book. And one of them is the cover. Oh, look, it's three people. You know, it's going to be a fucking banger. Like, that's just (laughs) how it goes in terms of covers. Um, Yes. So we have Liz front and centre. You know, (laughs) typical. It's it's classic Liz. She's wearing, you know, it doesn't look like a silk shirt now, I must say. It's more of like a Mm. slightly denim-ish texture that kind of slightly heavier yes that's what it is I was like that heavier texture (laughs) (laughs) lovely pale pink Uh, the barrettes are probably pale pink too you know she loves matching Mm -hmm. her barrettes to her tops Um, she's wearing I mean I guess they're chinos are they is that just they are chinos they are chinos yeah chinos confirmed so like yeah it's classic Liz (laughs) it's it's classic Liz dressed like a Florida retiree as per usual (laughs) Uh, and she is flanked on either side by Penny, who is looking very <laughs> suspiciously over her shoulder uh, at Liz. Penny, uh, Penny, <laughs> great, like love it. She's got a huge blue jumper on, looks extremely cozy, sleeves rolled up. I was like, yes, big fan of this jumper. Uh, she's wearing what I can only imagine is a pink or a purple silk shirt underneath. <laughs> we can just see like the collar uh, and a little cuff uh, of her Ooh. shirt, which matches her hairband. Uh <gasps> Fantastic. Uh, great work for many. <laughs> it is great work. I'm not sure why she's on the cover, seeing she is away in Washington, D.C. for almost this entire book, but hmm. oh. I'm glad to see her. Look, always happy to see Penny. I think she's only made one appearance before now, and that was on Secret Admirer that she had all to herself. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, Penny looks cool as hell. She's got her choppy little short haircut. She's mm. very 90s. I'm just assuming she's wearing stirrup leggings with this outfit. We can't <laughs> see them, but that's what I'm picking up from the rest of this look. Um, and then on the other side, we've got Olivia uh, <gasps> looking like herself again because we had Olivia on a cover on Teacher Crush and it, like, oh. it was like, who who is this girl? <laughs> this is not Olivia. <laughs> it wasn't Olivia. It and wasn't. I mean... I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, I don't think Olivia would wear those sarsaparilla jeans, which is what I can only, I myself had a pair of floral denims in the late 80s, early 90s. I wasn't 90s. Sure whether, was it a skirt or was it trousers? But oh, yeah. maybe I was projecting a sort of like <laughs> floral denim. Yeah, uh, she tends to go for long skirts, you see. So I assumed it was going to be a skirt. Um, but yeah, She's in general, this is the, the thing. This outfit is kind of a rich girl. It's giving me more Lila Fowler than yes. Olivia because it's the kind of, it's a turtleneck. It's green. She's wearing like a string of pearls, which does oh. not add up at all for Olivia. Like Absolutely not. No way. That girl wears like turquoise jewellery and big silver <laughs> necklaces like that's she is not a pearls girl um 
so yeah it's like she just yeah. I don't know robbed an outfit off Lila or something <laughs> but um but yeah funnily my cover my book cover has the classic circle cover so I actually didn't see the bottom half of Olivia's outfit with this like yeah. extremely interesting <laughs> trousers slash skirt we're not sure which but like they're white <laughs> with like this big pink flower and kind of green pattern on them so that was a little surprise for me when I looked up <laughs> the book just to see if I was missing anything and I was <laughs> same here because I read it on my kindle and it was in black and white and it's it's the you know the British circular cover yeah. so uh, it wasn't until this very moment that uh, when we when I looked it up online to discuss it in all its colourful glory that I realised <laughs> Olivia was wearing those uh, patterned trues. Yeah, and- so did not see them coming. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it doesn't feel like an Olivia outfit, but it was very exciting to get like a slight bonus round or a bonus content <laughs> to the cover. So that was nice. <laughs> it was nice. And as you say, a three-person a three, uh, cover is always a delight. It is. Like, even if the book sucks, the cover's good when there's three people on it. But luckily in this case, it's a great cover. And it's a fucking great book. Uh, I don't know if it's totally because our expectations were so low or what, but look, it never hurts to go in with low expectations. <laughs> I think it actually would have been an above average book, even if Hmm. we hadn't been expecting it to be terrible, because, you know, a lot happens. It's not too frustrating. The big plot's great. Uh, There's some very funny Ned and Alice moments. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, true. We better get stuck in because there is so much to talk about. (laughs) Oh, there really is. And uh, in another little twist on convention, we begin not with a Wakefield, which is usually the way, but with Olivia and Rod. Though Elizabeth is there in spirit because Rod cannot stop talking about Elizabeth. It's insane. It's like, if we're not going to start (laughs) with the Wakefields, we better start with someone talking about how amazing Elizabeth Wakefield is at the very least. And wow, does he ever like run his fucking Elizabeth Wakefield fan club in this book? It is ridiculous. It's, well, that's what I would say in this section. What an absolute freak. Because... (laughs) He starts by saying, starts the book by saying, this is the opening line, I know you appreciate good writing. You even write a little yourself. Don't you agree with me that Elizabeth Wakefield has a really special talent? And he's talking about her so much that uh, Olivia feels that that Elizabeth is like a you know, there with them in the car. (laughs) Partly hasn't stopped talking about her since Olivia got into his car to get a lift to school. Jesus Christ, yeah. Like, my notes just open with, what a normal conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It gets even more normal when (laughs) Olivia isn't paying enough attention to him and he nudges her and says, hey, sleepyhead, didn't you hear me? Don't you think Elizabeth has a special (laughs) talent? Fucking hell. (laughs) So apparently this is uh, lately, Elizabeth is his favourite topic of conversation, but he's, uh, even Olivia, in fairness to her, because Olivia is not like some characters we might mention. She actually asked him, like, why are you, you know, why are you so obsessed with with Elizabeth all of a hmm. sudden? But he had assured her that his interest was only that of a friend. Uh, because friends talk about their friends for 20 minutes nonstop in the car. And... <laughs> Start saying that, uh, you know, 20 years, Elizabeth will win a Pulitzer. And, you know, he doesn't seem to notice that Olivia has some journalism of her own that she's working on. Well, this is the thing, because, yeah, we know from a few books ago that Olivia has her own um, like literary magazine that she puts out as well. I think it's once a month that goes out. So like she and she writes as well and is the arts yeah. editor. So like she's well involved with 
the Oracle and, you know, writing and stuff in general. Um, but yeah, he's got such a weird attitude about Olivia's work. Like it's it's quite rude, to be honest, because like oh. Olivia kind of um, she's feeling a bit kind of put down, I think, by by the way he's banging on about Liv's the whole time. Yes. Um, and he kind of um, he kind of says, you know, oh, I'm not um, I'm not putting visions down or anything. You do a great job on the magazine. It's just that stories and poetry and stuff like that don't seem as real to me as news articles. And it's just oh like, oh, my what God, the fuck he's literally saying it's not like I'm putting down your work. I just think it's pointless bullshit. So it's just like, oh, why are you with this person? Because <laughs> he fucking sucks. And we are literally on page three. So riddle me it, that. <laughs> oh, my God. He is so terrible. And I genuinely do not know again how she puts up with them because mm. um he even like it's the fact that by the time they go to school he's told her to like check out elizabeth's article because it might inspire her oh my I god would, I, like he'd be driving home on his own yeah i that. just you know what tuck and roll take your chances just get out of that car Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> well meanwhile the golden girl elizabeth has arrived at school with jessica and we get a trend comparison um and uh we get also a foreshadowing of difficulties to come because uh liz is having a bit of uh trouble with school assignment yeah she has this english essay she has to do for or one and only <laughs> mm-hmm. well widely appears <laughs> indeed more, yeah. more, pretty well. <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just proving to be a bit more challenging uh than she expected uh so yeah she's kind of she's just kind of worried um about it mm. because i suppose she has a, she has a lot to juggle between her her boyfriend todd wilkins and all the rest <laughs> and you know enid being her friend and all these things take time but yeah she yes. kind of mentions how she has to work hard on her articles uh, for the article if she's ever going to be a professional writer <gasps> Of course, because, you know, your entire journalistic career depends on your um, <laughs> contribution to a high school newspaper. Absolutely. That's what I, a professional journalist, have learned from this, <laughs> this book. <laughs> but uh, we also get a moment, and I think this is part, and I think it is quite well done, of sh- of showing that everybody else sees Olivia as re- sort of very cool and... Uh, competent because mm. they lit the twins um notice olivia from a distance and liz says something to jessica about you know how great olivia looks today and how you know she's a terrific sense of style and even jessica says she's a little too artsy for me but she's still cool so like if she's appealing to jessica's harsh judgment she must be doing something right <laughs> um Oh, we might remember Jessica had a very different view of her when she was trying to steal. Was it? Was it? Did her trying to oh, steal yeah. Roger? Roger when he became a Patman, yeah. In rags to riches. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, they separate, and Liz meets the Oracle gang and gets some news from Penny, who's very excited and rightly so. Yeah, it turns out she's been chosen for this Washington Correspondent Program that they mentioned at the end of the last book. Mm. Uh, so it's this thing where a high school paper editor uh, gets chosen to uh, to go to Washington and like shadow a senator for it's a week or two weeks two it's weeks two weeks yeah um yeah so it's great news for Penny but it also means that she's not going to be around for two weeks <gasps> so it's all uh things are mm. things are exciting and yes everyone's everyone's very excited for her but like it's hilarious because like Olivia and Penny uh Olivia Penny Liz and Rod are there and everyone's really excited <laughs> for Penny and like congratulating her and hugging her and it's like Liz kind of looks around at one point uh and sees that Rod wasn't looking at Penny he was oh. smiling at Elizabeth it's like wow 
that's a little bit frightening. He's kind of creepy, isn't he? Because like everyone else is obviously, their attention is on Penny and then it's like a pan across to Rod and he's just staring at Liz. Ah, it's so <laughs> creepy. He is so creepy. Like it's, so it's only a little bit creepy. No. It's a lot creepy. It's like, um, this is just the tip of the iceberg with this guy. Oh, <laughs> seriously is. So uh, at lunch, uh, Todd and Liz um, are you know talking about what will happen when Penny's away and Todd assumes that Liz has the job of some Substitute editor in the bag. Um, but she is so annoyingly faux modest. Mm. Like, she actually thinks Penny needs someone who is responsible, someone who is dedicated, someone like me. And she's like, oh, no, no, they wouldn't want me. But Todd says, don't be so modest. You know as well as we do that you're the obvious choice. And we're told Elizabeth blushed again. Deep down, she secretly thought that she was the obvious choice. <laughs> Oh, or at least one of the obvious choices. At least she does acknowledge there's a possibility other people might uh, mm. might be included. Um, and actually, she does say Olivia might be op- uh, an option. Um, and then Todd jokes around and is like, oh, yeah, Olivia. Well, yeah, sorry. She's got to get it. There we go. A playful punch from Edith. <laughs> Told you we're in the era of the playful punch. We really are. Oh my God. I'm going to start counting these actually. <laughs> There's two in this book. At least two. So. <laughs> well, you've got a cupboard. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I missed. But we, we'll have to check the... Oh God, no. I've just remember what the next book is. Okay. After yeah, no. the next book, <laughs> we will be uh, counting the playful punches. We'll be on the playful punch watch. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, Liz is uh, reassured that obviously they're only joking about Olivia getting the job. And again, <laughs> this is not, you know, a diss on Olivia. They sort of assume, look, she's got too much, you know, they actually say it's lucky for you. She already has too much to do with visions. Mm. So there's a general assumption from other people that she just wouldn't want she wouldn't be interested in doing the job. Whereas, of course, as it goes on, Olivia is sure that nobody takes her editorial skills seriously mm. but they actually do make it very clear that um she there's no doubt in other people's eyes that mm. she's capable of this oh yeah they, just... they see her as like that she would be a very reliable choice is this, this just that she has so much going on that they didn't want to burden yeah. her with it yeah exactly and they respect visions unlike some people Ugh, yeah i'm glad someone does jesus <laughs> well speaking of him uh he's having lunch with olivia and my dad's like, Rod is so fucking weird. He starts talking about like, oh, they're going to have to, you know, get a new editor. And in a teasing tone of voice, he's like, now I wonder who that someone could be. That's how you'd say something if you meant the person you were talking to, not the girl you weirdly obsessed with. It's such weird behaviour that this is how he's talking to his girlfriend, who, if he had any fucking sense, would realise, you know, maybe Olivia is also interested in this. Like, it's just crazy the way he bangs on about Liz constantly yeah, like, oh I wonder who's gonna get that job ha, ha, ha. and she's like well maybe I get it and he's he says that you know you're a person of the arts you're not a, a newspaper man <laughs> and um, she feels bad and she wonders if anybody takes her seriously and she thinks about the things that Penny and Elizabeth have said about visions but she starts seeing their praise in new light Oh, yeah. And like, it's it's terrible because it is just Olivia's kind of uh, self-doubt kind of creeps in because yeah. she like they, they were being genuine when they have complimented her work. But like, I suppose the way the things were said, she's kind of saying that, uh, yeah, she thought about the things they had said about visions, that it was well done. It showed imagination that it must be nice to work on something that didn't come out every week because she really had time to give it her all. Uh, and it's like, yeah, she thought they were complimenting her. And now she wondered if they were really saying, go away, Olivia, we have something important to work on, something oh. real. But like, 
that's coming that's because of Rod like and his kind of yes. bullshit about how her like very also important work isn't as real to him as news stories uh, just yeah. because he's a dope uh, it's kind of infecting her own confidence which is a shame yes uh, and it very much is all in her head thanks to mm. him yeah so later, Jessica is leaving school, but she's confronted by an angry Annie. And uh, Annie isn't angry with Jessica for all the terrible things she's done to her in the past. Uh, she's angry with her for what she didn't do this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just so funny because when Annie confronts her, or when Jessica sees how angry she is, it's like Jessica backed off a few steps. Sweet Valley High cheerleaders didn't usually go around slugging one another. But from the look in Annie's eyes, it occurred to Jessica that there might be a first time. And it's like... There should have been a first time quite some time ago, especially in terms of Annie Whitman, because Jessica deserved more than a fucking dig or two from that girl. <laughs> but yeah, the reason why Annie is so cross is, uh, oh yeah, she also calls Jessica Judas Wakefield, which I adored. Oh, I do like that. There's some good nicknames in this book. Oh so my God. good. Yeah, so she's furious uh, because Jessica knew that apparently Annie's boyfriend, Tony Esteban, of steroid fame, uh, <laughs> has apparently been seeing... <laughs> Another girl uh, and Jessica had kind of seen him around town with this other girl, but, you know, she never told Annie about it. And in one sense, it's like, well, this kind of thing has happened before where someone's seen with someone who's not their girlfriend and it turns out it's like their cousin or like just a friend of theirs. Yeah. And it's all very innocent. But anyway, she's furious with Jessica for not telling her. Although Jessica did tell Lila, so that's probably not looking great for her right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, by the way, what I've not really sure what sort of relationship Tony and Annie have uh, because apparently Tony uh, Tony told Annie that Jessica had seen him and this unnamed girl um, and said she thought I he said she he thought I knew since you knew he thought you told me and I didn't mind like they're meant to be very serious yeah uh, that's that's very strange from Tony it's like <laughs> so wait what like, oh, yeah, Jessica saw me on a date with another girl, but I guess you didn't say anything, so I guess it's fine. So I guess I have two girlfriends now. Like, mm, pretty sure that's not how that works, Tony. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, she's uh, Jessica says she didn't want to upset her uh, by telling her um, that she saw Tony and this mystery woman. But Annie says if they were proper friends, she'd have told her the truth and she storms off. Mm. So she goes home with Liz, who's raving about Penny and how uh, great it is that Penny's got this DC job. And we're told Jessica <laughs> showed less enthusiasm than she would have if she had been told, just been told Penny had bought a new silk shirt. Like, <laughs> like this confused me because I was like, so wait, so she is really excited because they love silk shirts. So yes. am I meant to assume that she's not excited by that? It's like, oh. this is very confusing. But also I do love, it does feel like the ghostwriter is kind of having a little dig here at yes. all the silk shirts, which I love. So yeah, there's someone new on the on the writing team here for sure. And I love them. Oh, they are doing an amazing job. Godspeed, <laughs> ghostwriter number 75, whatever yeah. you are. Because you, you've got something, kid. Mm. Well, Liz, uh, Jessica tells Liz what happened and Liz uh, thinks that Annie had a point and says, you know, the truth is the truth. You can't go wrong by telling the truth and says honesty is the best policy. So the next day, Olivia arrives at school and she bumps into Jennifer Mitchell and Jennifer has some news. 
Yeah, Penny appointed Liz the editor-in-chief while she's going to be away in Washington. Um, and yeah, Olivia kind of tries to to be happy for Liz, but she yeah. just kind of can't help feeling like she's just been passed over or that, you know, yeah. she kind of hoped maybe she'd even be asked to help Liz or something. And she does feel a bit like, yeah, they just didn't even consider her. So it's kind of confirming her her suspicions, uh, which unfortunately is all in her head. But uh, yeah, she's just she's just feeling a bit down about the whole thing and trying to kind of force herself to be happy for Liz. Yeah, this is the thing that like Olivia is very relatable in this. Mm, you know, hugely, she's not being yeah. mean. She's not being bitter but everybody feels this way sometimes mm. and i uh i don't you know i think it's actually very well and realistically presented um so she decides she's going to try and be happy for um for elizabeth you know she knows that she like elizabeth hasn't taken anything away from her mm. and who should she meet but fucking rot oh god so like of course he's just fucking banging his liz drum as usual and like as he's talking to Olivia he's just like oh it's about time Elizabeth had a chance to show what she can really do like he's just a oh. one man cheer squad for Liz and it must be so annoying to listen oh to as my. his girlfriend like so yeah she just kind of she's just fed up with this now and she's just like well you know I wonder when I'm going to have a chance to show what I can do she kind of thinks to herself because yeah she's just a bit you know she did try and, and bite back any jealousy but like it's hard not to feel a bit hard yes. done by I suppose when she's just like well, fuck this anyway no one even considered me yeah so, uh, yeah, she's she's not in a great place. We cut to the next day in the Castledale Wakefield and Jessica needs some help because she <laughs> is meant to be going to one of Sam's races and uh, she needs a brand new excuse that, that Sam hasn't heard before. <laughs> That's it. She needs a good story. Um, yeah, see, I, I guess we're, we're we're really sensing a theme here in the, in Jessica's B plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's asking Liz for help because she's the creative one and the writer. She's like, I need something simple but original, something totally convincing. But uh, Liz is not interested in helping helping uh, Jess come up with a lie for her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Alice is kind of like, you know, why why are you actually not going to watch Sam? Yeah at this race but uh jessica kind of just explains that she doesn't really like going to the, the dirt bike races because she's you know she's on her own pretty much the whole time yeah. standing around in mud while he rides around having a good time all afternoon uh and liz then guesses that lila must have invited her to go shopping uh which is a pretty solid and standard guess and unsurprisingly it is correct yeah. <laughs> so, but actually yeah. i don't really judge her for that because no, like it doesn't sound like yeah or just him hang, you know having a great time hmm. with well, she literally just stands on her own. Like, yeah, I mean, we know the Sweet Valley way that he can only win if she's cheering him on. But still, is, yeah, <laughs> every Saturday, like, no, um, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a lot to ask of Jessica Wakefield of all people. Yes. But Alice does wonder why uh, Jess doesn't just come clean and, and tell Sam the truth. And she's like, sure, he'd understand. <laughs> and Jessica's like, tell him the <laughs> truth. This. She's like, mom, I can't tell him the truth. What kind of person do you think I am? <laughs> and I just love that she's just so oblivious. She's like, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you just met me? <laughs> and she does point out that like, what if he finds someone who likes, you know, go to bikes, uh, bike races as much as he does, then where will I be? <laughs> <laughs> just love so Alice is like look you can't build a relationship on excuses you build it on truthfulness and trust and Jessica groans and says you're way behind the times mom these days excuses work just fine (laughs) (laughs) which I do appreciate so 
At school, Liz is too busy to think of this essay she's meant to be writing for Mr. Collins about visual imagery and literature um, because she's just fantasising about what her life as article editor will be like. And it's quite a flight of fancy. It is. And it's very Jessica of her. We don't usually get Liz yes. wrapped up in, in daydreams like this because, yeah, she's she's uh, fantasizing about being asked to take on the editorship of the Oracle permanently because Penny oh. decided to stay in Washington. Uh, <laughs> she's like picturing herself like winning awards and all kinds of mad stuff. Uh, but it's kind of delightful because, as, you know, usually it's Jessica being whisked off to a castle in France or something and becoming <laughs> a queen. But, um, but it is kind of funny to see Liz uh, indulging uh, in that type of thing herself <laughs> indeed um so todd has to sort of rouse her from her day her reverie <laughs> to tell her that he can actually lunch with her after all he was meant to be helping some friend called how sylvester it was how sylvester where did he come from <laughs> i mean it's such an old-timey gangster name i'm kind of disappointed it's a student to be honest <laughs> It's a friend of mine. His name's Cal Sylvester. See? <laughs> He's a real big shot. <laughs> <laughs> but he needs a bit of help with the mathematics. <laughs> well, apparently he's off with flu. Ah. Because Liz is so obsessed with the Oracle, she hasn't noticed some kind of big development in Sweet Valley. There's a fucking flu pandemic by the sense of things. It's like half the school is out with this uh, this flu, apparently. Uh, uh, Liz apparently has not noticed that her classrooms are, have been much emptier than usual. But um, yeah. yeah, Todd kind of is like, what, have you not noticed this? And Liz is like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I've noticed. But she's just she's lying to his face. <laughs> um, so he kind of tells her, look, make sure you're paying attention now in uh, in English class and that you don't miss anything because there's some quarter grade reports coming up or mm. something. Um, yeah. So she she says, no, you have to worry. And she's she's on the case and it's all going to be fine. So she heads off to English class with good intentions. But yeah. Mm. But when she gets there, she's so dazed that she can't even pay any attention to the wise words. Oh, Mr. Collins! <laughs> yeah, she literally does not hear a word uh, of what he was talking about. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> because she's fantasizing about putting the paper to bed and sending it to the printer. Yeah. Apparently, in her daydream, she, uh, Mr. Collins is saying, Elizabeth, I can hardly believe what a perfect and professional job you've done. You're obviously a natural. Um, but then the class ends, and uh, Rod, of course, who's constantly at her side these days says it's a good thing Mr. Collins gave us this lecture today or I wouldn't have a clue what to do for my essay and Liz is like oh me neither uh oh mm, oh dear well later Olivia's all excited uh, and uh, she's got a vision she <laughs> She's got a vision for visions. Uh, yeah, she's also kind of trying to prove, I think, to to Rod and everybody else, I guess, or uh -huh. that, uh, that, you know, her literary magazine is serious and it can be important as well. So she's going to do a special issue of it on the environment. So this is surely right up Todd Street, you'd imagine. Well, indeed it is. <laughs> He wishes, he uh, he says, I wish I had some artistic or literary talent. I'd love to do something to help the rainforests. And whales, of course, Dodge. Of course, I mean, the whales go without saying. I just love that he's 
broadening his charitable interests <laughs> to rainforests as well. It's like, you know what? Good for you, Todd. <laughs> it's his, Todd at his most endearing is when he's talking about whales and rainforests. <laughs> Todd's actually quite likeable in this book. I he is. Like, yeah. God, what was that? The, the afternoon movie charcuterie date. Uh, Todd's, oh my God. That's pretty good at the moment. This ghostwriter is making us like Todd. Who would have thought <laughs> that we would ever see the day? My God. This person is a genius. <laughs> yeah. um, so Todd isn't the only one who's impressed. Everybody thinks it's a great idea. And uh, Olivia even has a poster that she's going to put up looking for contributors. Now, as a professional designer, Karen, what's, can you describe this poster and what's your verdict? Uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> Go on. Um, yeah, it took her four days, apparently. Uh, so oh, in the middle of the poster, there's a view of the Earth from space. Uh, and above Ooh. it, she has printed in bold black letters, the planet Earth, where do you stand on it? Uh, and then underneath all this, there's the details of the issue uh, and where contributors can send their work. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. that's the po- now, I mean, we know Olivia is a good artist, so oh, you know true, what? True. Maybe it's much better than what I'm picturing, <laughs> which is an extremely fucking basic <laughs> poster. <laughs> it does remind me of a poster. We had to do environmental posters when I was like 15 in our class. And I was, uh, for my sins, I was quite into the doors at the time. And my poster said, uh, when the music's over, turn out the lights. <laughs> and I have two girls listening to the records and then leaving and turning the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know how that matches up against this Visions poster. But... Yeah, well, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I was in secondary school, like, you know, the Credit Union Art Competition, like that would go yes. every year. So obviously I was a regular entrant to that, but uh, there was a particular poster when I think it was like second year, maybe first year, I'm not sure, in school. And um, I, I didn't win anything, but the feedback was that it was very good, but they just Ooh. worried it was a bit too culty. <laughs> Go on. Because I was extremely into <laughs> Mortal Kombat at the time. And in one of the in one of the levels of Mortal Kombat, the background is like this weird swirly vortex thing with like hooded robed monks either side of it that float mid-air. And I basically just ripped that off for my Credit Union poster and I painted two hooded figures with a floating pathway into a spirally vortex and it said <laughs> Union, join us. <laughs> <laughs> they did not go for it. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Do you have a copy of this somewhere to put I, the Instagram? I'm copy. pretty sure I tweeted it when I was cleaning out my oh, bedroom when my parents my... moved house. There is a picture of it somewhere. I guess I'm going to have to take it out now. <laughs> oh, now you say it. I think I. Will. Seen this image because I've got a very strong visualization and mm. I did not play Mortal Kombat. Well, so. I was going to say either you played Mortal Kombat or you saw my poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, what could have been Credit Union? Your, Look, I mean, it's your loss. You could have had a sort of they Mortal had, Kombat they had just, poster. They blew it. <laughs> they could have been huge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that, is, that sounds like a lot more dramatic than uh, Olivia's. Planet Earth. Get out of here, Olivia. That's a poster. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of our, I mean, mine had people in it. Yours had yeah. culty roads. Like, 
I, hooded I floating think... monks. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can even adapt that to an environmental theme. No of course doubt. you could. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's very impressed by Olivia's poster. Unlike that ungrateful credit union back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia is all fired up and she decides she's going to show everyone what she can do. So um, she's going to produce an issue of visions that would make everyone stand up and take notice. And Todd again offers to help with the practical stuff. Now, wasn't there that book where Todd was working with her possibly on visions? Remember when he was oh. taking photos? Oh, no, that was like... Jeffrey, because Jeffrey's the photographer. Who was Jeffrey, of course. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag free that... Jeffrey. Oh, wow. <laughs> down and Eden's dead <laughs> someone help him <laughs> um, so yeah he's going to help her out and but the, uh, Liz has her own idea for how she could contribute to this environmental uh, issue and she's got a confession to make yeah so Liz reveals that she started writing poetry recently um, and she's a bit uh, kind of shy about it says that she might have something that Olivia might be interested in if she wanted to have a look and of course Olivia is delighted because oh my god a contribution oh. from Elizabeth would be wonderful and it would probably encourage others because oh my god who wouldn't oh, want to get involved fucking <laughs> Liz but like yeah basically <laughs> she's quite excited that Liz would be interested in getting involved um, and she's like yeah deadly like let's let's can I have a look at these poems um, but uh yeah, she she agrees to, uh, to to share some of her poetry so Olivia can see what she thinks, but she's yes. a little bit nervous about it. Weirdly, she says the poems are in my desk at the Oracle office, uh, and uh, Olivia's like, "Oh, great! Why don't you bring them to my house after school this afternoon? I'll read them right away. Why don't you just get them out of your office and give them to her? Why do you have to call over? And just go to the office. You both work in the Oracle. It will yeah. be fine. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, so that's they've got a they've got an arrangement anyway. Mm. So later, Penny runs through everything Liz uh, needs to know about editing. Liz is nervous about going solo and Penny reminds her that she, Olivia can is going to be around to help her out. So Liz is usually relieved at the thought. And Penny, again, we get a reminder of the fact that everybody really respects Olivia, says she thought of asking um, Olivia to sort of you know help her out with editing, but she has so much to do that she didn't want to put any pressure on her. And they're all, they're both in awe of Olivia's work and actually in a little echo of Rod's fawning. Liz says, I bet Olivia's going to be really famous someday and you and I are going to be able to tell everyone that we knew her when. So if only Olivia knew. Oh, Olivia. <laughs> irony. Well, later at Olivia's house, she reads her poems and Elizabeth starts thinking how great Olivia is and how they should really spend more time together. I mean, in the past, they've sort of, they've sort of been presented as like good pals. Yeah, but Liz is good pals with fucking everybody in that school. Oh, good <laughs> it's always like, oh, we're such good friends. It's like, are you though? Really? How much have you actually hung out just the two of you? Well, remember Andrea Slade was always like a third member of a trio with uh, Edith for like one and a half books and then never seen again? <laughs> Very true. Well, yeah. actually, she is mentioned in this book, but she not... does turn up. Yeah, I was, I was glad to see her, actually. It's like, yeah, oh, Andrea, I forgot about her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just shows how consistent this friendship has been. <laughs> So um, Olivia is very impressed, but I'm kind of delighted that she doesn't go, yes, Elizabeth, of course, like they're going to be on the front page. She's like, oh, you know, I can't say yes straight away. I'm just going to have to see what the rest of the contributions are like, see how they fit. Um, but it, Elizabeth just takes this in good spirits and hmm. they bond over poetry. And Olivia admits that she writes it too and she can't resist her muse. 
Yeah, apparently she <laughs> she has to just drop whatever she's doing uh, when an idea comes to her. And apparently she got in trouble before in uh, gym class because she just walked off the volleyball court uh, because she had she was overcome by an idea for a poem about motion. So that does sound pretty <laughs> funny that she's just like bailing halfway through a volleyball game. She's like, no, what, fuck this. I've just thought of something way better than this that I need to write down immediately. So see ya. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed by that. Me too. <laughs> but she hasn't shared her problems with anybody. And uh, she plucks up the courage to ask Elizabeth to read her poems. And Elizabeth is, is amazed and says she'd be honoured. And we cut to later when Olivia is typing up those poems. And we learn that not only had, you know, early, uh, earlier on when Elizabeth was in the house, had she said she thought the poems were exceptionally good, but she convinced Olivia to do something with them. Yeah, so she she talked her into uh, submitting some of her poetry to the art section of the Sweet Valley News. So Olivia was kind of like, oh, no, they're not going to publish poems by some high school student. But uh, but Liz points out that, yeah, you might be a high school student, but you're also a really good poet. So why not let the editor decide whether they should be printed or not? So she's like, oh, so she kind of talks her into it. And uh, yeah, she's kind of typing up her, her three best poems and she's feeling good about it and reckons that, you know, even if they're turned down, it still feels good to try and to actually try and do something about it. So that's good. But then... Who should ring but fucking Rod? Oh, God, this guy. <laughs> he bursts the bubble because she's trying to tell him about her day and as soon, you know, about her poems. But as soon as she gets, she he, she just mentions the fact that Elizabeth came round to her house. Um, he just goes on about how cool it was. And Elizabeth was there. And oh, were you and me and Elizabeth and Todd go on a double date? And Olivia does not even get a chance to mention the poetry part. He's, he's such a freak. Oh, he's the worst. Like literally as soon as she mentions that Liz had been over, he was just like, Elizabeth, I didn't know you were having Elizabeth over. And like, you know, it was just like a kind of a spontaneous thing. It's like, oh, let's meet at my house later. Grand. It's like, it doesn't concern Rod. So why the fuck would he be there? (laughs) But like, yeah, he's just so like, oh, you know, I wish I'd known. And, you know, it would have been so good to hang out with with her. And and then goes on about, yeah, how they should go on a double date with her and Todd. And like, as you say, Olivia just doesn't get to tell him anything that she actually wanted to talk about. Um, And also she knows that he's just so weird about poetry and has no interest in it. Um, Mm. So she's like, you know, he wouldn't, it's not like he actually would have enjoyed the afternoon (laughs) anyway. But yeah, he's just the worst. Oh, he really is. So we cut to the Castletail Wakefield where Jessica tells Sam a lie about having to shop uh, with her mom for anniversary gifts for her grandparents um, so she can't go to a bike race. And when she hangs up, Liz is scowling at her like the judgmental gobshite she is. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're going to get caught lying at the end. Why don't you tell him the truth? And she says reasonably, if she told him the real reason, he'd be in a big sulk. This way, they'll both have a great time. She won't have to spend the afternoon up to her knees in mud. Hmm. I say... In this case, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I can, I can, I can see her logic completely. <laughs> yeah. So Liz is all like, "Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive." But Jessica <laughs> says her motto is, "What you don't know won't hurt you." There you go. It's much more succinct. <laughs> Indeed. So the next day, Ned and Alice are the ones who are going to get the uh, the present for the grandparents, and they're getting ready to go on their own shopping trip. And Lila arrives to collect Jessica for their outing. And uh, they're all stunned by Lila because I'm just going to say now the people of Sweet Valley are easily stunned. <laughs> oh my God, this is so ridiculous. But also amazing because yes. I love her. So Go yes, on. she walks in and we find out that Lila's long hair, which was normally light brown and wavy, had plum coloured streaks in it and was straight as a board. And like everybody acts like she's 
like, I don't even know. Like she's tattooed her face or something. They're just like, (laughs) and shaved her head. Like seriously, everybody is scandalized by Lila having purple hair. And it's like, you absolute nerds. Like this sounds amazing. And also I would love to have purple hair. I had purple (laughs) hair in college and it was brilliant. Like what's (laughs) wrong with these people? (laughs) It's so weird because like they're all just like, oh, it's very striking. And uh, when Lila and Jessica, oh, I do like this detail. Sorry. Elizabeth noticed Jessica stuffing another spoonful of cereal into her mouth. So she didn't have to say anything, which is quite a visual. (laughs) So Lila and Jessica head off and Alice and Liz laugh at Lila's new look. And Alice is like, oh, she looks like a Transylvanian. And Liz, the big dork says she looked even weirder than a vampire if you ask me vampires don't dye their hair funny colors like everyone i knew dyed their hair pretty oh, much when i was God. in the early oh, 90s yes of course color. also the fact that they're like oh she looks like a transylvanian it's like sorry now that's a fucking compliment because that sounds cool <laughs> as hell if someone described me as a well-dressed transylvanian i'd be fucking delighted <laughs> <laughs> but yeah liz is such a pain in the hole because she's like yeah going on about oh dyeing her hair she shook her own golden hair i don't know why she didn't stick to her old style it's like, oh, if only everyone just realised they could be as naturally beautiful as me. Like, <laughs> shut up, Liz. Jesus. <laughs> Let her dye her hair. Mind your business. Well, uh, yeah, they go, oh, maybe she's been she's been struck down by this flu and is delirious with fever. Like, it is literally purple streaks and a flash iron. Like, this is not... It, it's really <laughs> ridiculous while they're talking about this haircut. Truly, like teens in the 90s dyed their hair. We were there and we did yes, so. Exactly. <laughs> well, some people have been struck by flu. Enid and Mr. Cons. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they had to go home early the day before, apparently. Uh, and Liz is just like, oh, no, it's bad enough not having my best friend around. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do if Mr. Collins is sick for long, because, of course, he would have been helping her with the Oracle as the advisor. Mm. But now Liz is kind of left on her own uh, in charge of things, trying to run the show. She really is. So she's a bit worried. So meanwhile, Jessica is trying to avoid the topic of Lila's hair, uh, which she uh, has to admit is peculiar and unflattering. So she's just babbling out about school and stuff. But finally, Lila's like, come on, tell me what you think of my hair. And Jessica, of course, just is, does the usual uh, lie of, uh, you know, it's very striking. It makes a statement. I wish I could be so different. And uh, Lila suggests that she go to her own, Jessica go to Lila's stylist, to Davina. But Jessica mm. says she can't splash out cash on a new do because she spent all her gas money for the car on velvet leggings. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, at the mall, Lila is delighted that all eyes are on her. And I don't say... What a bunch of rubes. Seriously, like, I just, I don't, I, this doesn't make any sense. They're just (laughs) such a town of squares. Like, like, yeah, everyone is kind of like, they all nudge each other as Lila walks past. And like Lila at first is just like, oh yeah, they all just think I look amazing. You know, I feel so sorry for people who are ordinary. Um, Because yeah, she is literally turning heads as she goes around the place. But like, I think at one point, like there's, yeah, junior high school boys start laughing when they pass by. Um, oh, well, that's, when, kind of that's like, when it sort of hits her. That... Yeah. But up to that point, she's loving all the attention and just thinking everybody thinks she looks amazing. Although there is yes. yeah, there's a great bit where they go to a restaurant to uh, <laughs> to get something for lunch. And Jess is like, um, yeah, I'm going to have a cheeseburger. And Lila's like, it's too bad they don't serve caviar here. I'm in her caviar kind of mood. <laughs> <laughs> she's 
<laughs> looks, bitch. So good. <laughs> but yeah, in, in this uh, innocuous mall cafe, people are giggling and staring. And yeah, as you said, she's delighted because they're, you know, they're, she's convinced they're impressed by her. But yes, then when they leave the cafe, a uh, group of high school boys, junior high boys, start laughing. And one of them says, where do you think that girl comes from? Mars? Because that's oh, sort of, I, I had way worse things yelled at me by, by uh, boys that age when I was uh, creatively dressed in my youth. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Actually, nothing beats a friend of mine who was walking down the street one day in Dublin and uh, somebody called him over and went, excuse me, you know, from a car and said, uh, can you tell me how to get, how to get to Sesame Street? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that is such a good burn. It's so good, isn't it? Oh, and even the setting with the calling him over to the car yeah. that is even posed as direction. Quite fuck yeah. me, that's it's, genius. Wow, yeah. I tip my hat to that person. I, know. I mean, what else could you say but touche? Like, you'd have you're going to just to laugh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, where do you think that girl comes from? Mars. Like that's that's just. I mean, that's not worthy of uh, a heck. That's not a worthy heckle. I'd be no. insulted by that. If anything, it's it's In reminiscent. It's reminiscent of Rick Andover's chat up line, which is like, Ooh. "What was it? Pardon me, heaven, which way to Mars or something ridiculous?" Just like, <laughs> <laughs> what it made me think of. Equally witty. Yeah. I not at all. <laughs> so Lad is like, "Who are they talking about?" And before Jessica could answer, a small child in front of the card shop with his mother took one look at Lila and burst into tears. Lila's eyes went from the crying child to the window behind him. In it, she could see the grinning faces of several shoppers. And finally, the truth hits her. Oh, poor Lila. But also, that kid's a fucking nerd too, because in my oh experience, my having funny coloured hair, kids love that shit and think it's amazing when you've got like blue hair or pink hair. So whatever. <laughs> ah, these dorks. So, um, yeah, uh, she realises that Jessica didn't tell her the truth. and She starts worrying, my best friend, let me go out in public and make a complete fool of myself. And Jessica's like, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And Lila screams, what good is a friend who doesn't tell you the truth? If I want people to lie to me, I talk to my enemies. <laughs> and she drives off. Amazing. Oh, God. Yeah, she uh, she's stranding Jessica at the mall uh, and Jessica's pleading with her not to, not to abandon her. But Lila's like, you can walk back. I don't give rides to Benedict Arnold's. So really, the, oh. the nicknames are coming hard and fast with Jessica in this book. Oh, and it's not over yet, listeners. <laughs> so... Back at the Castell Wakefield, Elizabeth is trying to plan out her paper or plan out the paper, but she's worried about, you know, the lack of support from Mr. Collins. Like she's really on her own. And Ned and Alice return home from their shopping trip and they got crystal glasses for the grandparents. But Ned is more excited for his own purchase. And he says, wait till you see this, Elizabeth. It's going to knock your socks off. And Elizabeth's like, what is going on? And uh, she thinks for a man who hates to shop, he seemed to have had an extremely good time. She looked up at her mother, but for some reason, Mrs. Wakefield would meet Elizabeth's eyes. <laughs> and can you describe what Ned produces? What is his amazing purchase that has made him so happy? Oh, God. It's actually kind of adorable how delighted he is by his yes, purchase. I love this whole it's- Quite endearing. Uh, Yeah, so he very carefully and uh, reverentially (laughs) takes out um, a large glass sculpture of six thin rodent-like creatures with enormous round eyes standing on their hind legs and looking in different directions. And I was reading this description going, what the fuck is this thing? But it turns (laughs) out 
that they're meerkats. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Ned is fucking obsessed with meerkats and it's hilarious. It's just amazing because he's like, well, don't just st- stand there, say something. Isn't it great? And the best thing is like, Alice is just staring at it with a fixed smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ned puts them on the mantelpiece and um, Ned is, he's just like oh this is amazing nobody will miss them and says they really add something to the room uh, walk a few feet away Elizabeth it's almost as though their eyes are following you Elizabeth did as she was told gee they really do don't they oh, and then God. he says I'm just going to go get a cloth and get these, give these little guys a polish don't move I'll be right back <laughs> It's so cute. (laughs) So when he goes, Alice is like, I couldn't stop him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, he uh, apparently. Yeah, Liz is like, why can't he just keep them in his study? You know, where no one has to look at them. But Alice is like, nope, he wants the world to see them. And he bought them as a gift for me. (laughs) And they do both crack up then. They do. (laughs) So... Sam uh, collects Jessica, who uh, reveals that um, they're not doing what they planned to do tonight, which was to go on a double date with Lila and some unnamed boy. <laughs> and he tells her what happened, leaving out the whole, you know, going to the mall with her while, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he was she was meant to be with her parents. And Sam isn't sure what would have been right, but he says, like, well, what would you, what would have been the right thing to do? But she's, he's like, what would you have wanted Lila to tell the truth in the same situation? And Jessica says she definitely wants Lila to lie. Mm. So um, she's she's still on the side of, you know, bending the, the truth is a good thing. To spare people's feelings, yeah, is kind of her, her attitude towards it. Well, we cut to Tuesday. And Sweet Valley High has truly been hit by this plague. Honestly, it's uh, this place is a ghost town. There's this fuck all people around, it sounds like. Um, it's like over a third of the school is out with the flu. So they're really under pressure now with the Oracle. And uh, Liz is having a tough time trying to, to steer the ship at the minute. Yeah, uh, half the contributors are out so far. And Todd is like, well, if you get really desperate, you could always win a contest to name this flu. Um, so, yeah, be careful what you joke about, Todd, because it's <laughs> going to get worse. <laughs> so... Rod and Olivia are also at lunch and Olivia's worried about uh, the Oracle because she, you know, she she feels bad for Elizabeth with all this work to do and no staff and she herself is too busy with visions. Uh, but of course, guess who says he can help? Oh, fucking Rod. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he kind of says, you know, maybe there's something I can do to help. And <laughs> Olivia, this is a little bit lousy, but it's funny because yeah. Rod is such a fucking creep. Um, mm-hmm. She laughs and she's like, you know, I know you mean well, but this is really high standards. And let's face <laughs> it, your writing isn't going to impress her. <laughs> I mean, harsh, but fair, but fair. Oh, God. But also she's kind of relieved that he's a shit writer because she knows how obsessed with Liz he is at the minute and doesn't really want him to have reasons to go spending loads of time with Liz, like just Mm -hmm. the two of them. Um, So she's kind of, you know, happy enough that uh, that it doesn't seem like he'll be one to uh, to be much use in the situation. Uh, yes, uh, but um, he he does get a bit sulky. He's mm. like, "Thanks for the votes of, of confidence," and we're told Olivia punched him playfully. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that they don't specify like arm or shoulder. It's just like she just punched him playfully. So I'm just assuming it's in the face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the stomach. You never know. <laughs> yeah. 
So Lila, meanwhile, is still pissed off with Jessica. Apparently, Davina has dyed her hair back to her, its natural colour and she is speaking to Jessica again. But uh, she keeps giving digs at her, which I very much enjoy. It is very entertaining. Um, yeah, because Amy is complaining about her apple juice tasting weird or something. And she's like, here, have you know, you check it, Jessica, see if it's just me. And Lila's just like, mm, I wouldn't ask Jessica if I was you, even if it was curdling, she'll tell you it was fine. Uh, so she's just been picking at her like all day long, yes. throwing digs uh, every time she can to uh, to to just yeah hammer her over her, her lack of honesty. Mm. And Jessica says there's a difference between lying and, you know, not telling the truth to spare somebody's feelings and everybody tells white lies but Lila tosses her hair haughtily and says she doesn't and uh, says I happen to pride myself on my incredible honesty and Amy and Caroline say they do too uh, like this is actually very funny because of 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 all the tables of students in, in that cafeteria right now, that it's this particular combination of girls going on about how amazingly honest they are all the time <laughs> is pretty funny because this is the biggest pack of lying bitches ever. Like, <laughs> Well, Jessica uh, thinks that uh, maybe they've got a point and maybe always trying to spare people's feelings isn't really what they want. So after school, an overworked Elizabeth is in the Oracle office where Jennifer Mitchell turns up and tells her that she's got the flu too and uh, she just can't, she's not going to get her, uh, like she's actually really sick and she's meant to be doing the big cover feature um, but she can't file copy and this is like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it, just go home and get better. But she is panicking and rightly so. Yeah, she's really under pressure now. Um, she kind of says, look, it's fine. I have a bunch of half finished pieces uh, of my own that I can use. It'll be grand. But like as soon as Jennifer, also, it's funny that like Jennifer, it's just a post COVID thing now, I suppose, where Jennifer comes in saying how she's dying with the flu and Liz is all up in her face and putting her hand on her forehead. And it's like, Liz, are you trying to catch the flu off this girl? Like, what are you doing? Get away from her. <laughs> I know. I think but... every time I see somebody hanging around somebody with the flu, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Why are you doing this? But anyway, yeah, she also takes the opportunity to tell Jennifer that she looks awful so I did enjoy that too because she never misses a chance to tell someone they look awful but um <laughs> yeah she yeah so look she says look it's grand it's grand but as soon as Jennifer goes she realizes she really is under pressure because like she doesn't have any half-finished pieces of her own and she's actually three articles short now for the issue <gasps> so she's uh she's really in bother now and worries that she's going to be the first editor-in-chief in the history of Sweet Valley High not to publish a paper at all she racks her reins and she decides like she's got three spaces to fill so she decides she can ask Jessica to do another funny piece because that thing mm. she did about dates went down so well and then she decides to use Todd's jokey idea about a contest to name the flu mm -hmm. but she still needs a cover feature and the thing is they are a newspaper they're not a magazine so much so you'd think that the cover feature would be a news feature but anyway uh, they're, <laughs> I mean I guess beggars can't be choosers because who should come in and volunteer to write a feature? Oh, well, it's Rod, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, she thinks it doesn't almost didn't matter how well he wrote, as long as he wrote in English. If he had to do something that was reasonable, she could make it work. Um, what is this feature on? No one knows. Doesn't even <laughs> give an idea. We it's never a find out. <laughs> a mystery feature. Yes. So she hugs him and thanks him. And he gets super creepy. 
oh god I hate it so much um, yeah she's really grateful of course because he's really getting her out of a bind but like mm-hmm. and she's kind of like for the first time all day feeling like she actually might manage to pull this together um, so she's like you know what else can I say but thank you and he's like his eyes met hers thank you will do just fine for now he said softly especially if I get another hug when I turn in my piece and I just like my skin crawled mm. off my body and ran away I was just like oh god this guy I hate him so much but like then kind of tries to pretend like he's just joking and it's like oh he was just kidding around and Liz kind of is relieved because at first she's like oh shit what's happening here um but yeah he kind of then laughs and she's like oh no he's he's just kidding but like he's not is the thing and we know that he's not because he is obsessed with her so it's just that very like "Mm, where's my hug kind of energy and it's just like get away from her gross (laughs) it's gross even the fact he says he says it softly yeah, yeah. Just creeps me out so much. Mm. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> uh, and she does have a, that slight feeling of discomfort. So, mm. like, she her instincts are right. This is this. it. She needs to trust her gut because, yeah, this happens a few times and she's on the money every time and doesn't listen to her own instincts. <laughs> yeah, because she keeps, like, saying, oh, no, he's Olivia's boyfriend. You got me mm. anything like this. But no. <laughs> so she's surprised when she gets home and brings up the, the idea of uh, Jessica writing a feature. But Jessica immediately agrees. And she's got a great idea for her uh, for her column. Yeah, she says she's going to write an anonymous piece entitled To Tell the Truth uh, about whether or not honesty really is the best policy. Uh, so Liz is just delighted that she's going to write anything for her. And again, it's Jess and Great like good Jessica forum where she's actually like a yes. good sister and she's helping Liz out. And it sounds like she genuinely like is good at writing and at writing humor pieces because she's done yeah. this before again about the dating piece and it's like they should get Jessica in on this more because the article sounds really boring and they could use probably more of <laughs> Jessica's writing in it to be honest they absolutely could so uh Olivia points uh ponders her poster and she decides she's gonna ask Rod's view on it because of course he is a great graphic designer allegedly <laughs> and we are told they had both been so busy lately that even though he still drove her to school every morning and ate lunch with her almost every afternoon she felt as though she ha- hardly ever saw him how I don't know I guess it's just because he talks about Elizabeth all the time when oh, they're together that it doesn't feel like they're actually spending time together which could be understandable I guess. oh good point good point <laughs> So when she rings him, he doesn't have time to help her with her poster because he's too busy helping Liz out. Oh, God, yes. He's saying he has to finish his article for the Oracle. And Olivia is genuinely dumbfounded because apparently Rod's least favourite subject is English. Uh, The only books he had ever read that weren't for school were books on art and design. And then she, yeah, the most she'd ever seen him write was a note to his mother telling her he was going to be late getting back from school. And that usually contained mistakes. So it's just, it's very out of character, apparently, for Rod to be writing a feature article for the Oracle. So she's just like, oh, okay, Mm. sure. (laughs) Um, so uh, yeah she does think she doesn't think he would have been so helpful if it was Penny who was having Mm. a hard time or herself for that matter yeah true and again instincts are right here Olivia so yeah these girls need to listen to themselves they really do (laughs) the next day Elizabeth is feeling hopeful Um, so she's got Jessica's hilarious piece and uh, the name the flu contest and she just thinks if Rod had anything at all to give her she could make the printer's deadline and of course, who's there when she arrives at the office? But Rod. Oh, it's her stalker. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he's he's waving several sheets of typed paper uh, at her and she's delighted that he's finished it. So he says that, yeah, you know, he he stayed up until two in the morning uh, to get it written. And she kind of skim reads it, I think. Uh, 
and realizes it's good. In fact, it's very good because uh, she had been worried she was going to have to rewrite the entire thing, uh, but realizes it kind of reminded her vaguely of something she'd read before, but then just kind of puts that down to, you know, beginner writers kind of imitating other people's styles, uh, yes. the styles of those they admire. So she's just like, you know, that's all it is. This is fine. And anyway, she's under pressure. So she's just like, brilliant. I have something that's coherent and actually quite good. So job done. This will do. Again, I have many questions about this article. I'm not sure what it is about. Uh, when she says bits of it sound familiar, y- yes, you can see, listeners, where this is going. They are familiar. <laughs> they are also 200 years old. <laughs> so I'm saying this just... now. <laughs> Please tell us what this article is because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and how does she not notice the style is, mm. shall we say, not of the night, not, 1990s. Not particularly contemporary. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, later she's doing the final edits for the paper. Rod has been amazing. His advice has set on layout and design has saved her hours. I mean, editors do not do the layout and design, so I don't know why that would even be an issue. Like, she's got to improve it. But um, anyway, he saved her hours of work, apparently, and he's been, uh, he's been great. And when she thanks him for yet again, and this is a bit weird, impulsively she leans over and kisses him on the cheek. Now that's a, that's a bit odd. That is a bit odd, but again, this probably goes into that category of playful punching. Like it's just kind <gasps> of a weird thing that these kids do where there's actually nothing to be read into it and it is just them being friendly in their own weird way. <laughs> yes, that's okay, fair enough. Because I was thinking, mm. I don't like, kiss any of my friends on the cheek. No, I know. Male or female. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah she says so you're too much and he says you're too much too in a low voice oh my god he's so creepy uh, yeah because he's apparently he's looking into her eyes so intently that for a second she thought he was going to kiss her so kind of instinctively she steps aside and then Rod like makes a silly face and moves in the other direction and kind of makes a joke about oh we can't keep meeting like this and again uh. kind of deflects it somewhat and that like oh he's just kidding but it's like yeah but he keeps fucking doing it and he's not kidding <laughs> oh he's gross so uh yeah she, like she she's she stands back and feel that you know because she feels he's gonna kiss her but first then he jokes and he's like maybe we can go on a double date so she's like oh i must have missed took that off wrong. yeah she you keeps thinking she, this is the thing she keeps thinking she's misreading the situation but yeah. she absolutely is not like yeah he's just actually a creep well we cut to Friday and we're told that Jessica was looking even prettier than usual as she made her way to the cafeteria. And why? Uh, well, she is glowing from praise uh, because apparently there's nothing like being praised and admired to make a girl look her best. I mean, mm. I, I always thought, according to Sweet Valley Logic, it was having a boyfriend that makes a girl look her best. But look, in a pinch, praise and admiration will also do the job. Yes. Um, yeah, apparently uh, her her article is all the rage. Uh, it's called To Tell the Truth. And uh, it is anonymous, but not for long. By the way, we're told even her English teacher, who's only interested in her writing, seemed to be scrolling comments in red pencil all over, had read the article piece aloud to the class and spent the whole period discussing it. Funny and thought-provoking, he had called it. Who is this teacher? I assumed... Mr. Collins was also her English teacher, but yes. apparently the juniors have 
different English teachers? <laughs> what is happening there? I mean, like that makes sense in that there were several English teachers in my year of school. And I'm guessing Sweet Valley High School is, you know, like not everybody when I was in fifth year had the same English teacher. You know, there, there were multiple English teachers yeah. in the school. But we have never heard of any other English teacher besides. No, they've never. There's like Mr. Collins is the only one we've ever heard of. So who is he? <laughs> he doesn't even have a name. No, it's the mystery, mystery feature, and mystery English teacher. This is this is <gasps> terrible. We need details. We really do. By the way, if we've missed the a reference to another English teacher, listeners, do let us know because it does oh, not be on the bed. It's very possible. In fact, yes. Now that you say it, <laughs> like uh, obviously it's Mr. Murphy no it's not yeah. Murphy he was never oh, a Murphy no, I, just, I couldn't think of a name <laughs> oh, God, I just said there would be an Irish name and Rod is a Sullivan Sullivan <gasps> Chris Lynch you never trust the Irish in these oh, books no. the Doherty's are the only half decent Irish <laughs> people in this universe it seems like. the dairy burger that's it my god <laughs> oh, that's, the people who get obsessed with Elizabeth are Irish isn't that a weird self-hating like thing where they're just God. obsessed with wasps they are making know. a show of us this is terrible <laughs> they really are stop it Irish boys of Sweet Valley come on be less Bond creepy yourselves. God's sake <laughs> well her uh, all Jessica's pals chat about this amazing piece at lunch but of course Lila turns up and instantly guesses that it was Jessica and I like that Jessica says I cannot tell a lie George Washington style <laughs> I did write it. <laughs> but Lila says Jessica needs to go deeper into the topic. Yeah, she she reckons that uh, she should do some further reading and pulls out a glossy magazine uh, because there's an article in it uh, that she hands to Jessica that is titled Learn How to Unlock the Totally Honest You. Well... At the Casadel Wakefield, Ned and Alice are praising Elizabeth's editorial debut. And uh, I guess it's the next day now. And she's planning to just spend the weekend chilling and working mm. on her poetry. And um, when she tells her parents uh, that, you know, she's hoping to contribute to the environmental issue of visions, Ned's face lights up with a joyous smile. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Yeah, he's like, I know just the thing. Why don't you write about meerkats? <laughs> it's like Liz just kind of stares at him. And <laughs> he was as excited as a man who had just discovered a diamond in the sugar bowl. As excited as a man who polished his meerkat statue at least once a day. <laughs> That's what they're calling it. I'll tell you. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> No wonder he's in great form. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz, I shall think about it. And unfortunately, we'll think about it too. (laughs) Ned polishing his American statue. Well, on a less sordid note, Olivia is looking forward to this double date with Todd and Liz that night. And uh, she's much more confident now. She's kind of manic, if you ask me. A little bit. I mean, yeah, she's she's in a very good mood. Uh, so, yeah, I think she's just it's like that she, you know, it had it been earlier on in the week. She would have felt kind of anxious about it and feeling like she was being compared to Liz the whole time. Um, but, you know, she's. She's she's in a good in a good place right now. She's got a plan for visions and uh, she's feeling confident. So she's singing to herself as she's getting ready. She's dancing around the place. 
uh, whipping up an oatmeal face mask because she, she's a hippie. <laughs> of course. And, uh, yeah, says, you know, just because Elizabeth is terrific doesn't mean I'm not terrific. So she's very excitedly uh, getting ready for her date. Well, um, she, uh, she, she's still in a good mood when she leaves. She thinks she didn't just look good. She looked great. Uh, her curly brown hair was perfect, framing her pretty face like a cloud. Her dress was a traffic stopper. There's another element of her for outfit. Was this being saved for the outfits? Uh, no, we can go for this. Actually, there's a couple. There's a couple that have popped up unexpectedly, so we can go with this. But can you explain what the uh, pièce de résistance of her outfit I mean, is? Absolutely, uh, because I mean, yeah, all we know about the dress is that it's a traffic stopper. So I guess it's nice, uh, but it's really what sets it off is her wildly patterned tights uh, that are apparently eye-catching and sophisticated. So. I'm very excited about these times. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well, she dares Rod to look at her and even remember Elizabeth Wakefield's name. But of course, when he collects her, he says she looks fantastic. And then... Oh, God. Can you tell us what he says? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he... Like, she's delighted at his reaction at first. And then, like, he tilts his head to one side. Doesn't Elizabeth have a dress like that? I mean... Oh... Read the fucking room. Oh, my God. So naturally, like, Olivia freezes and just, like, feels her self-confidence evaporating. And, oh, my God, can you blame her? Like, Jesus Christ, this guy, just truly the worst. And, uh, yeah, she, um, the the, the evening goes from bad to worse, well, medium to bad, I guess. Uh, Not quite bad to worse yet. But, um. She, uh, he talks about his article all the way to the date and how Liz had more faith in me than, you know, you do, Olivia. And then they meet Liz and Todd, who've come straight from the beach in very casual garb. And Olivia, of course, suddenly feels overdressed. And Liz says, oh, I feel, you know, Liz is like, not in a mean way, in fairness to her. She's like, oh God, I feel like a real slob, which, you know, you probably would if you turned up in a totally casual outfit and somebody else was wearing eye-catching tights. And Rod, of course, <laughs> must have fallen all over. Oh, God. Yeah, see, they've come from the beach, so she's got wet hair uh, and, yeah, is dressed extremely casually. But, like, yeah, Rod, when she says that she looks like a slob, Rod straight away is like, you don't look like a slob. You look like Aphrodite, just risen from the sea. Uh, <sighs> and Liz kind of rolls her eyes and she's like, um, I don't think Aphrodite wore a sweatshirt and sneakers. She's kind of just kind of, you know, playing it off or whatever. And Rod straight away, it's like, she would have if she'd seen you. Like, Dude, this is one of the times I actually want Todd to punch somebody because this guy absolutely mocking has it coming. I don't say Todd should unleash the fists. Now is the time, Rod. Rod, Rod and Todd, my God. Now is the time, Todd. We need you to punch somebody in the face. Quick, sharp. Oh my God, this fucking guy. Like, he's just fawning all over Liz in front of his girlfriend and Liz's boyfriend. And I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? Well, while they're sitting there, we're told Olivia is almost silent and thinks, how could Rod, her Rod, a boy she liked and admired so much, behave like such a complete clown? I mean, no. <laughs> yes, you're... I mean, the accuracy jumped out. He is a fucking clown and she needs to dump him so quickly. Oh, she My deserves God. so much better than him. And mm. when he drops her home, she's in a foul mood and he can't see why. And she can't really explain either. And she does think that, you know, Todd had spent quite a lot of time talking to her about rainforests. Neither Todd nor Elizabeth were <laughs> obsessed, by, obsessed by that. 
Oh God. Yeah. She kind of can't really explain how she's feeling and that she's kind of jealous and it'll sound kind of trivial and stupid if she says it out loud, but like she is within her rights to be annoyed because it does sound like a really sucky evening to be fair. Oh, it really does. I mean, and it's all thanks to Rod. Like he's just, he's just red. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she says she's just tired. So that's like, you know, it's, she sort of brushes it off and she doesn't pick a fight with him. So meanwhile, yeah. Jessica has returned from a party with Sam and she's in thoughtful mood because apparently all day, even while kissing Sam, which says something, she's been thinking about that article <laughs> Lila urged her to read. Yeah, all it's it's been on her mind all day long. So uh, a more honest you, she said, quoting from the article. She actually hasn't memorized, it seems like, at this stage. Um, but yeah, it's... It, banged on about how uh, you know a you who is loved not just because you're beautiful but because you are a person of exceptional character and integrity too so Jessica has kind of latched on to this idea um, because everyone kind of teases her about being uh, flighty and frivolous uh, even Lila and Amy who were certainly more flighty and frivolous than she was <laughs> like that it's those two getting on her case is fucking rich to be honest oh but, my um, god yeah she uh, she just she's gotten a bit fed up of everyone kind of you know nagging her to take things more seriously. So she's like, well, if I become totally honest, they'll have to leave me alone because that'll be super mature uh, of me, and I'll be a person of great integrity and character yeah. now from from now on. So yeah, she's decided it's uh, it's time to tell the truth all the time. Yes, and she thinks of some other advantages. We're told for one thing, it would save her hours of making up excuses. Because uh, she's always lying. <laughs> and then for another thing, if she always told people the truth, there wouldn't be any more of those awful moments where she found herself caught in a white lie. So uh, she decides that no more tangled webs for her. Mm, yeah. So on Monday, she has decided that she, Jessica Wakefield, was going to become the most truthful person the world had ever seen. <laughs> Quite dramatic. Yeah. No, like, no more trying to be nice. It's like, mm, when were you ever really trying to be <laughs> nice? <laughs> I know. But yeah, she decided no more trying to spare the feelings of others. From that morning on, she would say exactly what she thought. So that's, uh, and, uh, that's the she plan. Fi- <laughs> she finds it liberating because we're told there have been times in the past when she told so many p- different people, so many different versions of the truth that she couldn't remember which was which. Um, so <laughs> she's just feeling brilliant and when she comes down to the kitchen table she says uh, to ne- oh, to Alice and Liz how are you on this beautiful day and we're told that Al- Alice gazed at her over her coffee cup she had a now what expression on her face <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> yeah she must be so tired of her shit at this stage <laughs> Speaking of things we're tired of, Liz announces that she wants to read uh, Alice the poem she wrote for Visions. It's called The Last Days of the Amazon. And uh, Jessica has an opportunity to put her new um, her new vow to tell the truth into action. Oh, God, it's amazing. Yeah. So like straight away, uh, Jessica is is pulling a face because Liz is like, do you have a problem with the title or something? And she kind of glares at her. Um, and Jessica's like, well, this is great. I don't have to pretend for one second that I'm interested in this boring fucking poem about trees in a river. So she says, you know, it sounds like the title of a documentary. And Alice kind of shoots her a warning look. And Liz is like, well, you don't have to listen then. Mom's interested, even if you aren't. So she proceeds to read her very boring poem out loud for everybody. <laughs> Well, 
Jessica is trying to concentrate on thinking about herself and how much more popular she's going to be. Now she has more character <laughs> and integrity. She can't. Uh, she can't help overhearing bits of the poem. And when uh, Liz finishes, Alice praises it, and Liz is like, "You're sure it's not too long?" And Jessica can tell her mother thought that it was too long. Though we're told they're probably not as long as Jessica thought it was. And, and, and Alice says she thinks it's perfect. She wouldn't change a thing. But Jessica gives her verdict and it's pretty good. Oh God. Uh yeah, she she um she says it it sounds like a nursery rhyme. A nursery rhyme about bugs. <laughs> God, I'm glad <laughs> to hear this verdict. So it's angry... actually it's very it, it's just very satisfying because usually everyone is fawning all over Liz's writing, no matter how boring and terrible it sounds. But yeah, it is just very uh Delightful to have someone just say, no, that was shite. <laughs> well, an angry Elizabeth stomps off and Alice says she could have handled, you know, been a bit more kind. And I love this line. Said, the truth isn't always kind, Jessica said wisely. And then Liz drives off without her. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty great. <laughs> so at school, Elizabeth is happy that both Enid and Mr. Collins are back. But on the downside... Todd has come down with flu and Mr. Collins is expecting the students in his English class to have their essays in the next day, flu or no flu. Come on, Mr. Collins. That is ridiculous. Like, no, Mr. Collins, come on now. He was He's meant to be like a very fair and reasonable teacher and that, that is neither fair nor reasonable if someone is down with flu and it's proper fucking flu. Absolutely yeah. not. They're not going to be able to write your stupid fucking essay for you. Come on now. Yeah. And also the assignment is really fucking vague. Like, oh my god, so vague. vague. Yeah, really, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, they're being asked to uh, compare something written with something visual to show how each uses imagery and symbols. So she's chosen a poem and a painting with the same theme, but she just can't get her ideas together. So I think we were learning that when Elizabeth is not writing something about how brilliant Sweet Valley is, she flounders. She really does. She has her wheelhouse. She normally sticks to it. And anything outside of that, yeah, she's fucked because it's like, I mean, I can't just talk about how amazing our town is. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's so that's such a good point, actually. <laughs> she's really stuck when it's something different to the usual from her. Well, at lunch, she's trying to work on her essay in the Oracle office. And of course, fucking Rod turns up. Oh my god, this fucking guy. He is just everywhere. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh yeah, he kind of catches her kind of muttering to herself. Um so yeah, he has brought cookies, apparently. Um but yeah, and they have some annoying banter because Rod's the worst. Uh but Liz is kind of happy to see him and he's kind of um she's kind of glad he's here to cheer her up and you know he's a real friend. Um so his his presence apparently has calmed her down a bit. But um, yeah, she kind of reveals that she hasn't even started worrying about the next uh, edition of the Oracle uh, because she still hasn't got a draft uh, done of her essay. Um, so yeah, she kind of he's kind of looking at her notes and says, you know, you seem to have loads of material. But she's like, yeah, but I just don't know how to pull it all together, basically, and reveals she doesn't know much about art, that she can write about poems and all the rest of it. But when it comes to a painting, I have no idea what to say. So she's uh, she's kind of hit a wall with it and just doesn't know how to, to get it finished. Yeah. And in fairness, I mean... Writing about about visual art is actually you I mean because like I'm sure 
possibly mentioned before that like I did history part in my, as my college mm. degree and I remember when I started I sort of realized that I didn't really know how to write about it like you don't really you know apart from saying there's an x and a y and a z yeah. in this yeah. painting like it's actually quite difficult to write about painting if you don't have the vocabulary so I think to sort of make the kids go in straight without any classes all week and expect them to have an essay on it is quite unreasonable, Mr. Collins. I'm actually not surprised Liz is finding this difficult and not just because it's not her sole subject, but, it, you know, <laughs> it is actually, uh, when you're trying to do it in detail, it's a skill mm. that you, uh, you know, you're not going to get it perfectly first time, most likely. Um, but of course, Rod's visual skills are going to come in very useful. Yes, he reckons he's uh, he knows a lot about painting. So he's he's someone who could really help her out. So, of course, he's really ingratiated himself after helping her out with the, the feature article that time. So they uh, he suggested, why don't we meet at the Dairy Burger after school and toss some ideas around? So uh, she reckons that it's a good idea because apparently Mr. Collins uh, encourages the students to like, you know, brainstorm together. And she's she's really stuck at the minute. So she's like, yes, OK, brilliant. So he's actually going to help her out with this essay. So hopefully she won't be stuck for too much longer. Hmm. Well, uh, we cut to the dairy burger. <laughs> let's just say, Christ Almighty! <laughs> A very reasonable reaction. <laughs> what the fuck, Rod? What oh, is happening? He's so terrible. This is precious time she could spend working on a resume. Like, he's just <laughs> waffling on about absolute shite for like an hour or something. Like, uh, it, apparently he'd only stop talking long enough to eat an order of fries and compliment her on her sweater. And Liz is kind of starting to wish that she didn't fucking come at all because like, you know, as interesting and as amusing yeah. as Rod was, he just seemed to have no interest in actually talking about the essay. Um, he keeps like yes. joking and talking about literally everything else. And it's she gets the feeling that he's trying to impress her as if they were on a date. And again, listen mm. to your gut instinct, dear Liz, yes. um, because she's just kind of starting to wonder, like, what am I doing here? Like, why? Why is he going on like this? What is happening? Um, I mean, he's literally starts it, by he's clearly explained the entire plot of a film. Like he starts, <laughs> we begin with them saying, so then the vampire gives up and moves to Idaho and opens a gas station. That's not near dark, is it? No. Oh, I don't know. I just kept thinking of, I just kept thinking of Jackie Daytona and what we do. Helping out the local volleyball team. <laughs> <laughs> What year did Near Dark come out? Oh, 1997. Is it of Idaho? I just remember it is all sort of like in the Midwest. Now there isn't a uh, nobody does have a there isn't a character who has a uh, a gas station because I would be quite impressed if they were referring to a cult vampire film made by a woman in the 80s. I don't know this movie Near Dark. I don't oh, think. Oh, it's by Catherine Bigelow and it's got Bill Paxton oh. in it. It's really oh, good. There's like yeah, it sounds yeah. good. Like, it is really like, good. To be honest, you had me at vampires. <laughs> <laughs> but sadly, he's not talking about that. He's talking about something completely uh, made up. And uh, as well, his other topics of conversation include music, television, sun poisoning, and tropical fish. 
Oh, I'm like, literally anything but this fucking essay. Like, he's so annoying. Oh, my God. And Elizabeth tries to bring the subject round to the um, to the uh, essay. And he just goes mm. on and on then about how great she is. And then he's so, oh, my God, this made me so angry. He's like, do you know what I love about you? And she's like, what? And he takes her fucking hand. Oh, gross. Playfully punch him in the dick. Um, <laughs> he... he <laughs> Yeah, he takes her hand in his and he goes, yeah, what I, apparently what he loves about her is that she doesn't bite her nails. It drives me crazy when girls bite their nails. It's Olivia's only fault. Like, fuck oh, off. God, fuck all the way off. He's just slagging off Olivia now to this girl that he's obsessed with. And I just want him to be drop kicked into the sun. Like, I hate him so much. It is just ugh, it's revolting. And hmm. Elizabeth does feel very uncomfortable with this because he doesn't let her hand go. So, um, yeah, Ugh. we c- of course we cut to Olivia and Dee Dee, an old favourite. Um, <gasps> oh, glad to see there her. she is now. Yeah. yeah, she's starving. She's craving onion rings. Made me quite hungry reading all this talk of fast food. <laughs> but uh, of course, Monday is the day that usually uh, Olivia and Rod stop at the Dairy Burger to hang and talk. But when she suggested it to him earlier, he said he had to give a hand, a friend a hand with an English assignment. And she was like, ah! And he got very defensive. Um, so uh, she was still annoyed with him. Um, so she didn't ask any more questions. But of course, who should she see as soon as she enters the Dairy Burger? Oh, well, of course, it's Rod and Liz and right at the moment where he's being creepy and like holding on to her hands. So as far as she's concerned, she's walked in on Rod and Liz holding hands at the Dairy Burger, which looks hey. extremely incriminating in fairness. Um, and yeah, she's enraged by this, like very reasonably uh, yes. and realizes like some some small part of her mind had tried to tell the rest of her that Rod's interest in Elizabeth wasn't platonic. But would she listen? No. And now this. So, yeah, she's furious uh and kind of freezes in the doorway so Dee Dee's kind of standing there like um can we can we go sit down I'm starving here I'm gonna pass out if I don't get some onion rings but yes oh, <laughs> I do, oh poor Olivia I, I do like that when she when she leaves uh she she's like oh we're going and Dee Dee stares at her in disbelief and says but what about my onion rings and then gets grabbed by the arm and yanked through the door kind of like Lila in the tv series all the time <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I was picturing as well here. Brilliant. <laughs> but meanwhile, Liz has to tear her hand away from creepy fucking Rod. And it's like, mm. was it possible? Did Rod have some ulterior motive for offering to help her? Has his helpfulness and friendliness meant he secretly wants to go out with her? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Um, She kind of tries to tell herself that that this couldn't possibly be the case, that he's crazy about Olivia and they're one of the happiest couples that she knows, apparently. So she's kind of like trying to tell herself that he's not interested in her. Um, And yeah, then she kind of realizes that Olivia seemed a bit out of sorts that time they Mm -hmm. went on that double date. So she's starting to wonder, is there trouble between her and Rod? Um, And yeah, she just she can't quite... uh, she she feels like she should tell Rod what's on her mind, but finds that she just can't uh, bring herself to say it because mm. she's like, how could she possibly doubt someone who'd gone to so much trouble for her? So, yeah, she kind of doesn't really tell him what's on her mind. And then he's like, oh, I know what it is. It's that essay. So they eventually actually get to start talking about <sighs> ideas for this essay and what yeah. she can do. So, Christ, only an hour later, only an oh. hour and some handholding later. <laughs> so tedious. Oh, the well. worst. 
Meanwhile, Jessica arrives home. She's feeling good because she spent today being totally honest. Oh my god. This is hilarious in fairness. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they give us a little rundown of how her day has gone. So like apparently she told Amy that she was wearing too much mascara. She told Robin Wilson her new cheer was ex- as exciting as a glass of water. Uh, she told Mr. Chaworski <laughs> that the real reason Kirk Anderson wasn't in class wasn't because of the flu but because of the beach. Uh, she had overheard John Pfeiffer telling Artie Western how crazy Jennifer Mitchell was about him. So she explained to John that actually she'd heard Jennifer was thinking of breaking up with him. which I think was kind of floated in the last book as well Um, but yeah so she's she's having a great time and feels fully delighted with herself uh, (laughs) and that she's seeing things clearly and uh, yeah she's she's got (laughs) just she's in great form it's it's great It's a, there's a lot she's crammed a lot into this one day I can tell you that much mm. but then she's been busy. she takes it too far <gasps> oh. she literally skips skips I tell you through the door of the casa she meets Prince Albert and we're told she's continuing <gasps> her policy of total honesty by telling him you're getting fat dog you're going to have to do something about that tummy I mean, she is body shaming the best character in the entire fucking series. How fucking dare she? Poor Prince Albert. Maybe if you took him for a fucking walk every so often instead of abandoning him every single day because you never bring him to the beach. Poor Prince Albert. This was outrageous from Jessica. I was all on board with her just dropping truth bombs, but this was a bridge too far. Indeed. Well, we're told that unlike Amy, who'd gotten all offended and snotty when faced with the truth, Prince Albert licked her hand. So Ned and Alice are about to go out for the night and Alice is wearing beige and uh, Jessica tells her you look like a graham cracker. No one wears beige in the evening, Mom, especially not when they have their colouring. <laughs> Ned tries to smooth <laughs> things over, but it doesn't go well. Oh, God. Yeah, she, um, yeah, he kind of insists that, that Alice looks just just fine in that dress. And Jessica's like, yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? And points to, to his beloved meerkats <laughs> and says, anybody who would buy a monstrosity like that, you wouldn't notice if mom was wearing a burlap sack. <laughs> and so she kind of like saunders into the kitchen. She can hear Ned and Alice in the hallway. And... <laughs> Alice, she can hear Alice hissing. I thought you told me this dress looked terrific. And <laughs> Mr. Wakefield's voice was loud and full of outrage. And I thought you told me my meerkats were attractive and poignant. <laughs> Properly funny. <laughs> it's so unlike them. <laughs> I know, I love it. And on that uncharacteristically hilarious note, we're just going to take a very quick break because, as you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network, and we like to share uh, another uh, podcast on the on the on the network with you every week. And this week, it's a fad camp. Yeah, so Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about diet culture and the ridiculousness of fad diets. So each episode has Grace Mulvey and Connor Dowling tackle a new aspect of diet culture through funny and vulnerable personal experiences, interviews and much more. So in their words, uh, ever brought a baked potato to a pub to stay on plan, ever gotten a hypnotic gastric band to reduce your appetite? We have. So they've got loads to chat about. I would say lots to, to unpack and, and pull apart because my God, diet culture is quite the roller coaster. Indeed. So yeah, you can have a little listen to, uh, to Fad Camp and what the vibe is like over there here. 
Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about the ridiculousness of fad diets and diet culture, hosted by me, Grace Mulvey. And me, Connor Dowling. If you have a body of any kind, chances are you've crossed paths with at least one of the bizarre diet trends we cover in our show. And between me and Connor, we have done nearly every fad diet there is. Juice cleansing. Fasting. The potato diet. Which is actually a real diet, by the way, and we don't recommend it. So join us as we try to make sense of the madness that is diet culture. Find Fad Camp everywhere you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fad Camp Podcast. And now, back to Sweet Valley where Olivia is trying to calm herself down. Um, because Dee Dee basically just laughed her out of it when she said that Liz was holding hands with Rod in the Dairy Burger. Um, so Olivia, unlike every single other person in the history of Sweet Valley, uh, realises she has to confront Rod straight away um, and do something about it. And uh, there's no answer from him when she rings. So she realises she has to ring Liz. And she does. I mean, it's it's really productive. Honestly, this is so amazing. Like no one ever does this in in the history of Sweet Valley and the 89 books we have read so far. I feel like no one's ever as fucking direct and straightforward as this. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. So she 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 rings Liz uh, and um, it's gas. Yeah. So she kind of when Liz answers the phone, she kind of realizes that Olivia sounds a bit weird. so Liz at first thinks that it's because that Liv- Olivia is ringing her to tell her she didn't like her poems or something. But um, but Liv kind of laughs that off and she's like, look, it's just I, I happened to see you and Rod in the Dairy Burger and I was wondering what was going on. And it's just it's so refreshing that she's this direct with her because, yeah. as you say, like yeah. no one ever does this normally. So it's great that she is just yeah. straight to the point. So it's all honest. Liz reveals exactly what happened. Olivia is revealed and, um, you know, and doesn't and act like with the fact that she says everything she says, but I saw you hold hands like that is such uncharacteristic yes. sweet valley behavior. Mm. So uh, they're both, you know, the, the, everything ends. The conversation ends on a, on a completely amicable note. And before Olivia rang, Liz had been working on her essay because Rod, we're told, had given her some terrific ideas and combined with her notes and jottings that she already had. She knows she can make them into a decent paper. But then we cut to the next day where we learn that she had got a very, very rough first draft down, but she fell asleep before she could write a second one. And she now she slept out. So she basically has to rush in and just hand it in as is. And it's really not ideal. Yeah, she knows it's not it's not good. It's not like it's not her mm. usual kind of standard um, of essay but she just you know she hadn't really had a chance to digest the ideas Rod had given her and express them in her own way but she reckons it's not bad and that Mr Collins might understand because she in fairness she had been under a lot of pressure with the newspaper considering like more than half of her staff were gone and out sick so she reckons maybe just this once she can turn in something that isn't up to her usual high standards um but obviously she can't hand in nothing so it's it's gonna have Mm. to be the rough draft just this once yes so yeah she figures that if maybe she'll get a C, but it's not the end of the world. Mm. Well, at school, Jessica is bored in history class. We are told that Winston, Bruce, Bruce is not in their year. Why is he in the class? Rosa what? <laughs> and Andrea are giving a presentation on the French Revolution. And it's really incompetent and boring. And I just find this very hard to believe. Like, it, it. Yeah, how do you make the French Revolution? And as Jessica is thinking, how do you make the revolution boring? It was literally a revolution. (laughs) 
And it is. I mean, I was in Paris only the last week and I finally got to go and see the French Revolution section of the Musée Carnivalet, which was closed the last time I was in Paris. And it's just nonstop action. Like, it's... <laughs> I, I just do not understand how you could make it boring. But I also don't understand how these people could make it boring. Because, like, Winston's ever the showman, you know. Bruce has his swagger. Rose is charming. Andrea has grown up with, you know... Uh, a rock star father, like they know about showmanship. I just do not believe they would give us that's, this boring, in, you know, rambly, yeah. waffly nonsense. <laughs> it's very true. Like this is a very charismatic group of people. Yeah. So yeah, this doesn't add up at all. Yeah. Well, everyone in the class is clearly extremely bored. But when Mr. Jaworski, the history teacher, asks for feedback, everybody is nice. And uh, Jessica's appalled by their dishonesty. yeah so when he asks if she'd like to give her opinion uh jessica says yes i would and then it kind of cuts to like the bell ringing at the end of class where immediately bruce winston andrea and rosa all like rush over to jessica's (laughs) desk with murder in their eyes Uh, and they all start shouting at her at once um so yeah apparently jessica did not hold back uh bruce apparently was superficial and monotonous um like <laughs> Rosa was told apparently that uh, she's the best cure for insomnia since counting sheep oh. uh, and Winston is just baffled by the whole thing he's like why would you want to embarrass us like that um, because apparently as far as she was concerned they should all get a D for this presentation and she's like why they were like why are you trying to fail us on this like what the hell we're trying to pass this class we don't need you telling the teacher he should give us a D <laughs> and just like what was I supposed to say that's what I thought <laughs> I do like that when Winston says, and if you were grading us, you would have given us a D. Jessica says, around a D, yes. <laughs> it's just so serious. <laughs> Yes, 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 around a D, I think. (laughs) So when Bruce says everybody else thinks, uh, seem to think we should get at least a B, Jessica just says, that's because everyone else was lying. (gasps) Jessica, (laughs) she cannot tell a lie. There you go. (laughs) That's the new Jessica. (laughs) So we cut to Liz's POV. We discover that she's received summons from Mr. Collins. And Liz hopes that she, you know, he's going to keep it quick, whatever it is, because she's still got to put the paper to bed this week. And even though the, you know, things aren't as hectic as last time, because more fewer people are out, she still has a lot of work to do. So it's typical Elizabeth thinks he probably just wants to tell me how much he li- <laughs> liked last Friday's oracle or something. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain why oh, Mr. Collins wants to see him? Yeah, sorry, it's just so funny. It's typical Liz. It's like, oh, he wants me to come in because he wants to tell me how great I am. So, of course, she gets quite the land when she arrives at the office and he's very serious uh, and looks distant and guarded, apparently. Uh, and he's very serious and formal with her. He says maybe she'd better shut the door. So suddenly she gets really uneasy and she's like, oh, Christ, what's going on here? Mm. Uh, and she glances, he hands her a bunch of pages Um So she glances at them because the essay he's after handing her was covered in comments in red ink and there was an (gasps) F at the top. Why was Mr. (gasps) Collins giving her someone else's English essay to look at? God, (laughs) it's sickening. (laughs) (laughs) She's such a toast, but eventually realises it's her essay. Uh, And he, he wants an explanation. And Liz is like, wait, what? What is happening? An explanation of what exactly? Uh, because she's very confused by this whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
so yeah, Mr. Collins demands an explanation. And she's like, oh, okay, that wasn't great. But, you know, I was very overworked and a lot on. And he's like, I can't believe you've done this. And then she realizes that, some, you know, this isn't just about her essay being a C or even a D. It's something mm. else. Something really awful. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, you can't believe I'd do something like what? Mr. Collins reveals her crime. Yeah, he stares at her for a second and says, plagiarise the work of Archie Fox, the country's best known art critic. Um, And like she kind of hears this and can't believe that he's being he's accusing her of plagiarism. Uh, So she's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So he points out that she wrote an essay comparing a poem on childhood with a painting of three children playing ball. He's like, you did, didn't you? And she's like, yeah. And he kind of sighs and says, you know, there's nothing wrong with using and paraphrasing someone else's ideas, but you must credit the source. And like you of all people should know this. So to take whole chunks from art and film and present them as though they were your own. Um, And she's just completely like, oh, my God, what is happening here? Just doesn't know how it's gotten to this, but uh, doesn't have an excuse because she realizes that all the passages that he's talking about and that are circled in red are the ones that Rod had given her in the Dairy Burger. But she didn't realize these were all obviously the ideas and thoughts of one Archie Fox uh, from his book because Rod never mentioned that these were all somebody else's thoughts. Though, I mean, she did know that they were Rod's thoughts. Mm, Yeah, I I know. This is not a straightforward situation, I have to say. It's really not. And even the fact that she went home and wrote it, it's like she hardly got a word perfect. (coughs) You're kind of you're kind of relying on like Rod giving a word for word paragraph from this book for her to then go home and write it also word for word, which seems very unlikely (laughs) that it's been that these ideas have been filtered now through two people. And yet it's still... I don't think like this would enough. catch as plagiarism. Like, it just no, wouldn't. like it, it really doesn't seem like it would at all. Like, especially, yeah, the fact that it's gone on such a fucking journey to end up in her essay. Like, even if it's a rough draft where she kind of just wrote down what Archie was saying yeah. or what's his name? Archie fucking Rod. Uh, Rod. Um, yeah, it just, Archie. It, this is the thing. Yeah, it's just, it's too convoluted, I feel like, to be direct plagiarism. No, it absolutely is. Like, I know people who play, like, and God knows these, this modern age, uh, people are plagiarizing <laughs> right, left and center. But <laughs> when when people plagiarized back in the day, it was sort of basically paraphrasing and whole chunk, you know, or not even paraphrasing, just copying like a yeah. paragraph of a book. Whereas mm. this is sort of basically unsourced secondary reading. Like, you know, she's not copying his phrases. So, I mean, even Mr. No. Collins says, there's nothing wrong with using or paraphrasing someone else's ideas, Elizabeth, but you know you must credit the source. Like, it then says to take whole chunks from art and film and present them as though they were your own. But she did write them in her own, you know, third-hand style. This, so yeah. it can't be close enough. It's not no. copying his his <laughs> words. And also, you shouldn't fail a fucking, you know, equivalent of fifth year they are yeah they're the equivalent of fifth year in school essay because you didn't credit a source true yeah it's like it's like you'd get a warning and maybe a stern talking to or whatever but like yeah Yeah. this is it seems heavy-handed but like just for the purposes of the story 
it's plagiarism even though like as we've just pointed out it isn't but that's no. just kind of what we're going to have to roll with here unfortunately even though it doesn't make sense <laughs> well mr Collins says that as she's offered to know oh he does that say is there anything like any extenuating circumstances besides being incredibly busy with everybody having flu which in fairness is quite a big thing but um she can't I mean, yeah she and also you weren't fucking around roger like where were you you're at home with flu not keeping an eye on your students <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Collins just says she's offered no because she says like no there there aren't really any like everything's fine at home etc so Roger says since you've offered no defence I can't defend you considering how serious this is I'm going to have to give you an F and this puts your quarter English grade in real jeopardy and you know the rules about grades and extracurricular activities so then he drops a bombshell yeah, apparently he has no choice but to suspend her from the newspaper for the time being. And of course, what? Liz is totally shocked by this. Um, but like, yeah, she's she's not going to explain or she's, she feels like she'd be blaming Rod or, or kind of feels like she has to take some of the blame because she did take Rod's ideas, but she's also not dragging Rod into it. Um, or feeling like she can't tell on them or whatever. Um, so yeah, because she hasn't, as you say, offered a defence, apparently Roger has no choice but to fucking kick her off the Oracle. So yeah, this is world-ending stuff for Liz now. So she's really doing her best not to burst into tears and just leaves the classroom absolutely devastated. Yes, she runs away, not crying, but almost crying. And uh, she bumps into Olivia, who notices her distress and is nice to her. But um, Olivia, uh, Liz just wants to tell her everything. But then she feels she can't talk about the plagiarism charges without involving Rod. So she says she's fine. So later, Olivia asks Rod if he's talked to Liz since they were outing to the Dairy Burger. Um, because apparently, like, when she talked to him, he laughed everything off. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm sure Elizabeth is fine. There's nothing to worry about. And you've nothing to worry about with me. Hmm. Well, we go to the Dairy Burger where Lila asks why Andrea is glowering at Jess and Jessica reveals all. And uh, when Lila and Amy both agree that the history gang are just, you know, being silly and they should accept some constructive criticism, uh, Jessica did them a favour. Jessica's delighted and uh, says, yeah, when, you know, when they... When, they came at her. She felt like saying, do you think Lila would act like this if I told her that no one ever understands a word she says when she gives a speech, when she talks so fast, because she talks so fast? And Lila's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jessica's not finished. <laughs> no, she then turns to Amy and says, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be, why, would you, why should it be so horrible to learn the truth about yourself? You know that everyone laughs at the way you run when we play softball, but you don't mind, do you? And Amy's like, uh, who laughs at me? And Jessica kind of her smile falters slightly because they're both now glaring at her much the way Andrea had been just a few minutes before. But um, but she's like, but you know, you know all this. Everybody knows. It's why they call Lila Speedo and they call you Clodhopper. <laughs> Lila's rightly enraged and says, oh, what do they call you? Lila asked, as sweet as strychnine. Little Big Mouth. <laughs> We've got so many good nicknames in this book. Honestly, I never saw it coming and they're all delightful. <laughs> Truly. Well, at home, Liz finally lets the tears flow. And when Jessica gets home, she tells Jessica everything. And Jessica thinks, rightly, this is ridiculous. And says that she should have told Mr. Collins the truth. And not, you know, 
she's right. Like she didn't even have to mention Rod's name. This is it. Yeah, she kind of says, look, you know, maybe you did repeat everything Rod said and maybe that's wrong, but it's not the same as deliberately stealing ideas from a published work. And she says, look, Rod should take some of the blame for this. He was giving you this guy's ideas without, you know, letting you know that that's actually what was happening. But Liz just feels like she can't turn Rod in. But um, but yeah, she kind of notes that the old, not quite so honest Jessica would have come up with at least three different schemes for getting even with Rod. But um, but now Jessica is much more straightforward. Her new honest self reckons that, you know, Rod got you into this. He deserves what he gets. So you should just yeah. tell the truth and fucking drop him in. <laughs> She's not wrong. So, uh, yeah, she's uh, like an even better. Um, Jessica uh, explains that, um, or sorry, Liz says, explains that she can't understand why Rod did it. Like she just doesn't know where this is coming from. But Jessica thinks it's obvious and says, Rod doesn't question you. He didn't tell you all that stuff to get you into trouble. He told you all that stuff because he wanted you to like him. And of course, Liz is like, oh, that's even worse. I mean, it's not only am I guilty of plagiarism, I'm also guilty of encouraging Olivia's boyfriend. But Jessica's like, no, he didn't need any encouragement. He was into you already and you need to talk to Olivia about this and I wanted to applaud her because you know we've had so much bullshit about people assuming <laughs> that people thought or you know thought x y and z and being like oh there's yes. no point in saying they'll never believe me oh I'm or I'm too angry to tell them and now we just got some plain mm. speaking and I like it it's amazing. Yeah. So like, honestly, this, it's so satisfying because we've got Olivia just immediately ringing people and asking them what the fuck is going on. And we've got Jess just being like, tell her what happened. Rod deserves what he gets. Fucking like just banging her truth from. And it's great. Yeah. Well, the next day, Liz has decided that before she says anything to Olivia, she has to talk to Rod. Yes, do talk to Rod because Rod is the most important person mm. in this situation. And she's sure that he'll go to, with her to Mr. Collins and explain the situation. Um you know, and sort everything out. And uh, when she does tell him what happened, we're told Rod listened to her with a blank expression on his face. And was all like, I don't understand. Why are you telling me this? Ugh. Oh, God, he's awful. Uh, yeah, because and Liz is kind of puzzled by his reaction. She's like, I'm, I'm trying to understand why you did this to me. And Rod's like, did what to you? All I did was help out a friend. I never told you to use Archie Fox's ideas as though they were yours. And Liz then quite rightly points out, you didn't tell me they were his ideas. You let me believe they were yours. And Rod is just so weird. He's like shrugging this uneasy expression yeah. on his face. And he's like, you know, they were, you know, all his ideas and my ideas are all mixed together in my head. And I was just trying to give you something to get started with. You can't blame me for this. Um, but yeah, he's just like, you know, I I just tried to help you since when it's friendship against the law. Like he's awful, like he's awful when he's creepy and he's awful when he's just kind of dodging blame like this and just kind Ugh. of having nothing to do with it, even though he knows he's in the wrong here. Um, he's gross. just the worst. Like It really hmm. is. It's just it's the fact he's like, I don't know what your problem is. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Oh. It's awful. He sounds like a murderer. Yeah, he actually does sound like a murderer. Doesn't he? Like, <laughs> I'm frightened of Rod. It's like, I tried to help you. That's all, Elizabeth. Since when is friendship against the law? I mean, if he had presented yeah. this differently, I think this would have been fair enough. He, mm. you know, because he didn't ask her to somehow memorize everything he said and take <laughs> it down. And yeah. uh, like he says, his ideas and my ideas are all mixed together in my head. Like that would be fair enough if he was still going, but mm. yeah, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'll talk to Mr. Collins about it. But yeah, no, he's, he's just being mm. a dick. So 
Yes. At lunchtime, Jessica joins Lila, Claire Middleton and Maria. An odd trio to be having lunch together, I would have thought. Very odd. Considering <laughs> yeah. Lila was like bullying Claire Middleton when she was on the t- trying to join the team. God. Yeah, Claire. I don't know why Claire is at this table. Like she seems too cool for this, to be honest. Very much so. But uh, yeah, Mariah, or Mariah, um, Jessica asks, have they seen a new poster asking for tryouts for a new choral group? And Maria likes the idea, but Jessica's like, what, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you're tone deaf. And this is the last straw for Maria. Oh, God. Yeah, she's really annoyed uh, and points out that she was in the middle school chorus and in the variety show. And Jessica's like, yeah, well, with everybody else singing, no one in the audience could tell you were in a different key. But I know for a fact that everybody used to call you one note Santelli behind your back. <gasps> so Maria stands up and she's just like, she's had enough of this. And she's like, you know what, Jessica, you do nothing but go around insulting everyone. Who do you think you are telling me I can't sing? I sing just fine. I sing just great. Uh, and if you'll excuse me, I'm going to sit somewhere else, somewhere I won't be insulted. So she stomps off. Um, and Jessica kind of watches this and then turns to Claire and she's like, God, what's with her? Her temper is almost as bad as yours. So Jessica, just not taking the hint, continues on her little truth telling journey. And um, yeah, Claire is like, sorry now, as bad as whose temper? And Jessica's like, yeah, you know, your temper, you have a terrible temper. Everyone still talks about the time you stormed out of class just because Miss Ford got your name wrong. Um, but apparently that wasn't the whole story so Claire is just like what is happening here um and Jessica then starts talking about a fight that Claire had with Scott Trost apparently Hmm. um but yeah she's just kind of digging up all this stuff and just telling everybody things that they didn't know and were better off not knowing really and it just keeps going from bad to worse oh it's uh yeah it's chaos basically and Hmm. um Jessica's actually sort of pleased by her new power apparently because we're told that now everyone knows she always gives an honest answer she found she's constantly being bombarded with questions like what did so-and-so really say about me did x really break up with y do you think b will call me did a say anything about me behind my back so it's not just me doing algebra about uh, referencing like x y and z this uh apparently <laughs> jessica's subconscious does too so lila thinks that, that jessica has gone too far but jessica says you're the one who gave me that great magazine article but uh, now Lila thinks she's created a monster (laughs) very true yeah so we cut to the Oracle office where Mr. Collins tells Elizabeth or tells the team that Liz has left the paper temporarily. He won't say why. This, by the way, belies Mm. the whole cover like is Elizabeth ruined? Is her reputation destroyed? Literally nobody knows about this this is the thing yeah he doesn't explain the circumstances at all as far as the rest of the staff know she's just off she's temporarily off the paper effective immediately mm-hmm. and of course everybody's shocked but like and they think he's joking at first but um you know some people kind of ask why and you know so they kind of sit, point out that liz would never quit the oracle that she loves it and she's the best reporter they have but mr collins just kind of gets on with the meeting uh and olivia remembers the look she saw on liz's face when she came out of mr collins's classroom the day before and realizes that's what she must have been so upset about so Olivia's kind of like Jesus I can't believe this but you know kind of starts to wonder what uh, what the hell is going on here exactly yes um especially like the rod pretends that he doesn't know what the story is which is mm. just so gross uh like I just find that really like oh I don't know well I guess that's uh, something's up but there's no hint yeah. that he has been uh informed and acted like a serial killer so, yes, exactly. <laughs> Do not trust this person. 
But meanwhile, Liz is hiding it out in the library until she's sure the meeting is over so she can collect her stuff from the Oracle office. And we're told once she had everything out of there, it would really be over. And she could start thinking about what she was going to do with her life. Now she wasn't going to be a writer after all. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, it is a school paper. It's a high school paper. It's not even like it's a college paper where it might affect your chances of getting into a journalism postgrad. Like, it is fucking meaningless i don't know anybody who has, i have a lot of friends who are journalists i'm married to a journalist i am a journalist i don't know anybody who wrote for a school paper like none so stop <laughs> acting like you've just been booted out of your staff job at the new york times <laughs> the melodrama is very enjoyable though, i will say <laughs> oh it is because i'm like oh my last time um oh i'll have to go to the office now um but of course when she goes in everybody's still there oh god yeah it's like the meeting either ran late or she mistimed it somewhat because yeah she just walks in as they're wrapping up and it's the last thing she wanted because everyone obviously turns and looks at her and it's really awkward and nobody knows what to say so it's like no one even kind of looks at her properly because everyone's kind of embarrassed and uncomfortable it really is terrible from the people who are meant to be her friends like uh, on this fucking paper but um yeah she she wishes she could explain what happened but Mr. Collins just wraps up the meeting so Liz just grabs her stuff and uh, realises she might never read another issue of the Oracle again. (gasps) Oh god well that sounds like a blessing in disguise to be perfectly honest but I guess (laughs) she doesn't think that. But like Mr. Collins I just think is disgraceful in this book because his his expression turns to embarrassment when she comes in and he looks away and begins looking at papers on his desk. Like, if you've got a boot off the paper, Mr. C, have the courage of your convictions. Exactly. Like, own it and don't don't add to the discomfort. Mm. Like, you're the fucking adult in the room here. Be professional about it. Well, the only person who could meet her eyes was Elizabeth, uh, or sorry, was Olivia. And when the meeting ends, Olivia is rightly annoyed. Everybody was so weird with Elizabeth. Uh, you know, she's meant to be their friend. And when she mentions it to Rod, he's like, well, let's just ignore it. And Olivia is like, what is wrong with him? Because you know, he feels, he seems uneasy and thinks here he was, the president of the Elizabeth Wakefield fan club, acting as though they shouldn't stand up for her. So... Um, she goes to to find Liz and they end up in Casey's where Liz tells all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, again, fair play to Olivia for not just kind of like wandering off and being like, oh, I wonder yes. what's up with Liz. Like she actually goes and talks to her. They go have a conversation. Uh, and of course, Olivia is like dumbfounded by the revelation that Liz has been kicked off the paper due to alleged plagiarism. Um, and Olivia's like, there must be a mistake. Like, you're one of the most honest people I know. There's no way you're a plagiarist. But mm. um, when Liz eventually points out that, or, you know, she reveals that, you know, Rod had offered to help her with the English paper and Olivia kind of starts to wonder, oh God, well, hang on now, what does Rod have to do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so Liz kind of painfully and haltingly apparently explains <laughs> as far as she can understand it, what happened and says, look, I know I'm not innocent. Um, and I didn't think to question what Rod told me. And that she did put his ideas in the essay as though they were her own, but she never thought like that he was also <laughs> plagiarizing. Again, this isn't fucking plagiarism, but look, for the purposes no. of the story, it is. But yeah, she doesn't know why Rod did this to her. It's so unlike him. And Olivia is kind of 
oh she's really her head's kind of spinning because yeah. she's sort of like the worry that she had that Rod is into Liz the kind of jealousy that she had against Liz her own lack of confidence it's all just kind of swirling around and now mm. she's like oh god like yes Rod has his faults but he wasn't mean or spiteful and realizes the only reason Rod would do this was be you know he hadn't meant to but he was she realizes he was trying to impress Elizabeth and that he wanted her to like him as much as he liked her so even though Rod's been denying that he's into Liz, like it's kind of becoming clear to Olivia that this is what's happened here now, that he was acting like they were on a date, trying to impress her. And that's what's led to this big whole mess. So it kind of, she gets a bit sharp with Liz because she kind of just doesn't want to face the truth. Yeah, it's it's very messy. Yeah, and it it isn't like she's not angry at Liz, but she's just, it's a lot. She basically realises her, Mm. she can't deny the fact her boyfriend is into somebody else. So she just says, look, I don't know what you want me to say, Liz. I can't help you. And she basically runs away. Uh, Mm. So later... Todd tells Elizabeth, Todd's on the phone, he's sort of still recuperating from the flu. And he tells her that, like, she did the right thing confronting Rod and Olivia, which is true. And she feels a bit better um, after talking with Todd. And he rightly says, look, your worst crime was an error of judgment. You know, you didn't mm. try to cheat. Like, you were just, you know, overwhelmed and you... You thought you were just sort of brainstorming with somebody. But Liz is all like, I'll never be a writer now. I'll never be anything. And... Todd's like, you can't be Elizabeth Wakefield. Elizabeth would never give up so easily. But for the moment, she is going to give up for at least a couple of days. <laughs> and when Olivia gets home, she rings Rod. And I'm glad she does. Again, she's, you know, she's not just assuming anything. But of course, he gets all the dignity. Mm. He's sickening. Oh, he, yeah, he's the worst. Um, Like, what she wants to ask him, I suppose, is why he'd gone to so much trouble for Liz and why was he so full of praises for her and then so cool and kind of distant about her now. And he's just like, you know, all I did was try to help a friend. Um, but she's still kind of questioning it. She's like, are you sure of that? You're sure you didn't have any other feelings for Liz but friendship? And Roz, again, is all indignant. And he's like, yes, for the last time, Olivia, I'm sure. But like, it's bullshit. Like, we know he's lying. She knows he's lying too. She just doesn't want to to believe it, I guess, or... Yeah. realise just, just what a mess they really oh, are in God. Yeah. well the next <laughs> night or, or is it this night it's not really sure um, Olivia re- returns home from a romantic date with Ta- with Rod it was amazing there was the Box Tree Cafe which we know is very romantic there was a moonlight walk <laughs> he presented her with a pair of silver earrings sta- shaped like stars and says something unusual for someone unusual I have to say I I don't think I'd take unusual as a compliment from my boyfriend. <laughs> no, but also like star-shaped silver earrings. Yeah. I refuse to believe they were unusual in the early 90s. Yeah, I'm sorry, the 90s yes. were chock-a-block with stars and moons and suns and all that shit because I know I painted my bedroom dark blue with little golden suns and moons and stars all over <laughs> ah, it when I was stylish. like 12 or 13. So like the 90s was fucking wall-to-wall stars and celestial bullshit. So don't give me yeah. that, that it's unusual. <laughs> I had star stickers on my Walkman in the mid-90s. <laughs> so yes, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is not so unusual. Exactly. Um, but anyway, it's good enough for Olivia. And um, she uh, she she thinks that like everything in her life is great. Mr. Collins even asked her to help him, um, you know, because they don't really have an editor at the moment until Penny comes back. Mm. But she still feels a pang. She thinks of Liz. Mm. <gasps> so the mm. next day, 
Jessica is looking for some stylish pink and purple duds, which you'll doubtless describe at the end. She goes in to steal them from Liz, <laughs> but Liz basically give it up on life. Oh my God. Yeah, she's shocked to find Liz still in bed because Liz is usually up at like seven in the morning or something ridiculous of a, of a Saturday. Um, so it's very unlike her to to not even want to be getting up. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jess is kind of like, oh my God, okay, look, don't let this plagiarism thing get you down. It'll blow over. Um, but Liz is like, no, look, it's a disaster. Uh, no one from the Oracle can even look me in the eye anymore. And now her friendship with Olivia is ruined, apparently. But Jess is like, well, that's her problem. She's like, she, she says, it's because she knows she should support you, but she can't deal with it. If you ask me, you should talk to her again. Olivia is a good person, Liz. I know you can make her listen. And again, it's just like Jessica on top, good sister form. This truth telling thing really suits her when she's not just kind of doing it for the sake of being bitchy, but when she's actually being helpful, it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. Go talk to Olivia. Yes. So, yeah, she's she's on the money. It's great. It's it's really uh, it's it's just refreshing. I mean, because we're so unused mm. to it in Sweet Valley world. <laughs> um, so later, uh, Liz is just mooching around basically all day. Eventually, she calls Enid and Enid has some news that she thinks will cheer her up a little. And it's pretty good. Oh, uh, oh, wait, hang on. Where's it's that, that they're going to have a total <laughs> honesty for Jessica Day. Oh, yes, that's it. Lila is organising this as her way of getting even with Jessica. Um, yeah, so everyone's going to tell Jessica the truth for one whole day. We'll see how much she likes her own medicine. So Liz is quite tickled by this because she knew exactly how much Jessica liked her own medicine, even in small doses. Um, and there is a fantastic line actually here from Enid where she's like, you have to hand it to Lila. Uh, she may not be the nicest person in Sweet Valley, but she's a great schemer. <laughs> not wrong um and uh jessica says or elizabeth can't help herself uh stop herself laughing and says probably not as great as my sister she said proudly jessica's the best (laughs) then we cut to olivia who is it's it's in her house and she's still recovering basically from a very very hilariously dramatic dream she had about liz Oh my God, this is amazing. So she had a dream that she's the new editor-in-chief of the Oracle. She's sitting in the office conducting a staff meeting. Rod is there and so is Mr. Collins. Uh, Rod and Mr. Collins are holding up a banner that had Olivia Forever written across it in large black letters. Apparently it's snowing outside, even though it never snowed in Southern California, but it was normal in the dream. Uh, And uh, Liz was standing outside the half open window, peering in with no one (laughs) paying any attention to her. And as my notes say, she's on the outside looking in. (laughs) Day after day, she's feeling kind of lonely. Yes. This is how it's never been until now. Oh my god! I just I was so tickled by this. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. So they, um, apparently uh, Liz is like knocking on the window in this dream, asking, "Why are you treating me like this? You know I didn't mean it. I've always done my best. I've always stood by all of you." Um, and everyone's pretending not to hear her. Uh, <laughs> And apparently then she's calling out Olivia and she's like, aren't you going to help me? Can't you see? It's not fair. Like, it's a very literal dream. But yeah, uh, 
Olivia like walks over to the window and sees Liz <laughs> covered in snow and she's like, I can't help you. I really can't. And slams the window shut. And then she wakes up. <laughs> uh, and rightly, she's unsettled by this vision. And to distract herself, she looks at the newspaper and what's on the front of the art section? Oh my God, it's her poem. Um, and it seems like it's the one that she stomped off the volleyball court to to write because yes! it's called Poem in Motion, which mm. is a weird title. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the it's the poem that she, one of the poems she submitted to the Sweet Valley News. So she's delighted uh, and points it out to her mother and she's really excited about it, but then realises that it's actually because of Liz that her poem is even there in the first place because it was her that encouraged her to submit them and like gave her the confidence to to give it a go and realizes that um you know Liz had always been so supportive of her and you know maybe maybe it's time to to repay the favor well meanwhile Jessica's at Sam's race I mean we can just skim over this this is a bit of filler uh, she ponders how to help Liz and decides she has to go and see Olivia and um it's honesty in action so Olivia answers the door of her house, <laughs> assuming it's Liz. And I love this scene because we're told Jessica strode past her without waiting to be invited in. Wrong twin, she said. Oh, it's- my God. Amazing. Again, top form from Jessica. It's like her Columbo mode from Again yes! Stolen Diary. <laughs> She's just oh, like yeah. stomping into people's houses uninvited to fucking <laughs> to put them right <laughs> and sort everything out. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, apparently Olivia had never seen this stern, determined side of Jessica. And it surprised oh. her as much as the fact that Jessica had dropped by at all. <laughs> well, uh, Jessica tells her that basically Elizabeth went with you to the truth and you turned your back on her. And, and Jessica Matherwood fairly says, look, I know you're not responsible for anything that's happened, Olivia, but you're the one person who could do something to straighten things out because you're the person closest to Rod. I mean, you should be giving the speech to Rod, Jessica, because it isn't really Olivia's mm. problem. Um, that is true, actually, yeah. And uh, Olivia says Rod never intended to fuck up Liz's life and Jessica's like, doesn't matter what he intended. What's important is that he won't admit he made a mistake. That's all he has to do, Olivia. Admit he made a mistake. And she stomps off and Olivia realises that Rod does have to admit uh, he was not only that he made a mistake, you know, presenting this critic's ideas, but also he hmm. needs to admit that he was into Elizabeth and that, hmm. you know, yes. like stop being dishonest with her, with everybody mm-hmm. about his motivations. So yeah. she's going to make him face the truth. But also she's going to face something else because now she's facing facts. She's decided she has to investigate something that's been bothering her all along. Rod's article. Yeah, so she had thought that what was bothering her was the fact that he'd gone so far out of his way for Liz. But apparently, in truth, it was more than that. So she has a read of the article and realises, you know, that it was amazing that he turned it around so quickly because usually it takes him weeks to write an essay. Uh, And usually he has lots of help from Olivia at the same time. So she's kind of like, she really kind of reads it carefully over and over again and then realises how familiar parts of it sound. So... There's like, yeah, phrases that were echoing through her head. The responsibility of truth, the right of knowing. And she suddenly hits, gets like a brainwave and like rummages through a bunch of, of books that she has uh, and eventually pieces together that the reason why Rod's article struck her is so familiar was because at least three of the paragraphs weren't written by Rod at all. One had been written by <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> One had been written by Thomas Paine and one had been written by Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> what the fuck was the style of this article? I like, don't know. I am sorry. 
Years ago, a friend of his mom, who was an academic, realised that one of her students had plagiarised an essay on Victorian art because it featured a line from, it was clearly from a very old book that said something like, while the young queen and her consort were enjoying the pleasures of bed and board in a in country retreat. And she was like, a 19-year-old in Falmouth did not write this sentence. <laughs> Fair. How the fuck is Rod for pushing in paragraphs by 18th century writers and nobody's thinking that does not sound exactly like what a 1993 teenager would write. God, I don't know. I know. It's it's very weird, but they do, they do kind of like throw a little line in saying that he had uh, changed them only enough so they sounded contemporary. But at like at that rate, that's the whole thing yeah. rewritten. So none of that yeah, adds up like at all. The they're, just, they're, they're just trying to placate us and it's not working. <laughs> I just do not think if they're close enough to be recognisable, like they're not going to be, you know, um, um, they are not going to be particularly modern. It's just, mm. I refuse to believe it. And also, yeah. we still don't know what the topic of this stupid <laughs> article is. You know. <laughs> oh, well, um, they, uh, she, she says out loud, I'm sorry, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then she rings Penny so when she rings she doesn't get through to her until the next day which seems slightly anticlimactic but um, she says that you know she was really hurt and jealous that she wasn't asked to help out with the oracle that she just refused to see the truth and Penny's like oh no idea you felt like that we just knew you were so busy with with the uh, with visions and we're told Ooh. two weeks earlier this information would have thrilled Olivia now it makes her cringe so Penny suggests they tell all to Mr. Collins and Olivia's like, but there's more. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and Olivia, has, or sorry, Penny has a good idea when she hears about the article. Uh, Penny. Oh, no, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, her, she... it's, her, it's her idea. Sorry, I got confused there. She says, why don't we ask or... Mr. Collins to take a look at it? Because he'll recognize yes. the paragraph. Rod <laughs> lifted. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, so it'll it'll that's it. It won't just be their word against Rods because they actually have proof now of his plagiarism in action, uh, yes. so that they can prove their point to uh, to Mister Collins. And Penny is uh, impressed by <laughs> Olivia's craftiness and says, "I thought Washington was full of schemers, and maybe Olivia should give up art for politics. You're obviously a natural." <laughs> Ooh. Well, cut to Monday. <laughs> Jessica's having a very bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was never a big fan of of mondays apparently but this one is is the worst yet uh she re- reckons it's it's like one of those dreams where she went to school as usual only to discover that she was wearing her pajamas uh mm. because she feels like everybody is on her case and reckons that people are treating her like she might as well have been wearing a kick me sign <gasps> because um <laughs> before classes started apparently jessica was in the girl's bathroom listening to a conversation happening nearby where there were some girls, I think, talking about Bruce Patman, where one of the girls had said she couldn't understand why anyone would go out with Bruce Patman because he was so conceited. And Jessica chimes in to agree, saying you'd have to be out of your mind. But apparently, no sooner had the words left Jessica's mouth than Lila had materialised behind her <laughs> to, um, to reveal, well, well, you must have been out of your mind then, because if I remember correctly, not only were you crazy about Bruce, you went out with him yourself. So it seems like every time she says anything, someone pops up in time just to make a show of her and point out 
this is something that she had said like that. So again, in like math class, she was, um, what was it? She was telling the cute mathematical genius who sat next yeah, to her, whoever that I is, see. Uh, how interested she, I know, like, again, mystery person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she'd been teacher telling this guy that so she was always her. really interested. Oh, look at We have so many questions. I mean, we're loving this ghostwriter, but we are left with a lot of questions about <laughs> these things. Um, but yes, she'd been banging on about how much she loves algebra and how interested she always was in it when uh, Amy suddenly chimes in and is like, no, you aren't Jessica. You hate algebra. You told me you'd rather pierce your nose than do algebra. Uh, so yeah, every time she says anything, someone pops up to tell her something she does not want to hear, apparently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she's having a pretty bad day and um, basically everybody's, you know, saying like pointing out unpleasant truths to her and um, she's basically got a taste for her own medicine and she doesn't like it. But on the more serious truth saying <laughs> note, Penny and Olivia have gone to see Mr. Collins and they asked him to see the issue that came out when he was sick. And um, they, he hasn't had a chance to look at it yet. And when they show him the lead story, he's, Mr. Collins isn't even halfway through the article before a bewildered expression comes over in his, his face. Yeah, so he... he <laughs> Just what is this, he asked, looking from one girl to the other. If I'm not mistaken, part of this article was written by Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Again, what is this article? Oh my god! <laughs> and if it's as I said, if it's close enough to the original to be recognisable, how does it not look like it was written in the eighteenth century? Well, oh god. We cut to Elizabeth, who's been summoned to Mr. Collins's office, and obviously she's worried um, because she can't stand any more humiliation. But when she goes to the Oracle office, who should be there yet again? But old Rogers. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of course, he has the decency to look a bit embarrassed, at least. Um, so he kind of is surprised to see her. He's like, oh, what are you doing here? Uh, and she's like, oh, Mr. Collins asked to see me. Um, so now he's getting a bit worried. And just then Mr. Collins opens the door. And uh, yeah, he explains that he's been catching up on uh, the Oracle that he was out for and tells Rod that his piece was... Um, very well done very nicely done quite a step up from the work you usually do in class and it starts to read out a bit uh like again this is not great from mr collins because if you're going to slag off a student for not being great in class maybe do it when it's just the two of you or also don't do that at all and find a more constructive way of doing it Mm -hmm. but like kind like doing all this in front of liz is poor form for Mm. sure (laughs) though i don't feel too sorry for because he's so terrible well look i know he is this is it he is a creep so yeah it's hard to feel any kind of sympathy for him really and also he did trick elizabeth with this because she was his editor because hmm. you know he's saying like what inspired you to do it he's like oh you know i was just like i just guess I guess, like you say i was just inspired and uh mr collins says you're a plagiarist not only only are you a plagiarist but you're not even a very clever one you could have at least moved thomas jefferson's words around a little more rod made them a little more difficult to recognize <gasps> and what is just like i don't have to stand here and listen to this much when you talk to a teacher i know he's very saucy it's simply kind of out of nowhere and mr collins is like yeah you're right you don't you can leave and not come back and it's like wait is he off the oracle or like out of your english class what's happening here exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, Rod stops in the doorway and says, You're making a mistake, you know. I was only trying to help. And uh, 
<laughs> Mr. Collins says, just don't make the mistake of lifting other people's words in the future, other people's words in the future, because I'm going to be checking your English papers like a hawk from now on. And what slams the door on the way out? I mean, Jesus. Mr. Collins may be strict, ridiculously strict in some ways, like booting people off for non-existent plagiarism and also kicking them <laughs> out of the newspaper and uh, making them hand in essays when he's been off all week. But uh, he's very lax about Rod's insubordinate behaviour. <laughs> very true. So Mr. Collins turns to Liz and says, look, it was wrong to use Rod's ideas the way you did, but like, it wasn't plagiarism. I encourage my students to discuss assignments. I don't expect them to footnote one another. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to rewrite the paper. And Olivia told me everything. And I just, again, I, he says, I really wish you'd explain to me exactly what happened. It would have been so much easier. I mean, somebody could say this in every single book. <laughs> That's true. Even this book where people were being surprisingly straightforward and not confrontational but just getting to the point and like which they never do and yet there was still stuff that could have been explained easily if people just communicated properly so you're always going to have some amount of it I suppose we'll never be fully free of it good point we just have to accept (laughs) it well Liz says like she could rat on Todd but uh, Mr. Khan says why did you write about plagiarism for your first feature now you're back in the oracle and Liz was like what And he said, you are back on the staff, aren't you? She's like, Mr. Collins, I can't thank you enough. And he says, don't thank me. Thank your friend, Olivia. (gasps) Speaking of Olivia, she's waiting for Rod. I don't want to spend any more time with him. So we can just say he admits he wants to impress Liz. And he was fooling himself that he just was wanted to be her friend. And uh, Olivia says, I guess lying to ourselves is the worst kind of all. And she just deserves so much better. And I hope she dumps him and we never see from him or see or hear from him again. I, but yes, agreed. But also I kind of, they don't say it, but I kind of took this to mean that she was breaking up with him. But like, yeah, yeah they never actually it. say that that's, yeah, like they, they never actually say that that's what happened, but I've just decided she broke up with him. I mean, I hope she did. I was hoping it, but I'm yeah. surprised she, she just mm. wasn't, she didn't give him more of a talking to because he's just been a dick from beginning to end. Mm. so mm-hmm. later she finds Liz they apologise but or she apologises but Liz thanks her for you know speaking up for her and she realises that it was Jessica who gave her the push to speak out so all's well between them so meanwhile <laughs> in the cafeteria Jessica is finally realising that this is not a coincidence that everybody's you know telling her the brutal truth pointing out her hypocrisies so eventually she says this is all your idea isn't it Lila Fowler you put everybody up to this didn't you and Lila gasps who me which (laughs) your (laughs) favourite always love it (laughs) so Lila reveals the truth Yeah, see, Jessica was wondering, uh, was this be mean to Jessica day? And uh, Lila has to stop her, herself uh, convulsing with laughter long enough to explain that it's total honesty for Jessica day. How do you oh. like it? Um, but I obviously like Jessica does not like it. Not one bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> she does not. And... Um, then Elizabeth comes up and says she wants to have a word through about Olivia and Jessica's like no more I'll never tell the truth again no matter how hard people try to drag it out for me I'm sorry and Liz is like what do you mean I wanted to thank you for being so honest you've saved my life and Jessica says well I'm so glad someone here uh glad someone here can appreciate Mm -hmm. the value of honesty 
and she looks at Lila, but Lila is distracted. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah, so Lila is staring across the cafeteria uh, and like, you know, it's all played quite light and jokey because, you know, we, in the run of books, you know, we're not supposed to know what's happening next, but we know what's coming down the line here. So uh, it's horrible and uneasy. But uh, yeah, so she's looking across the cafeteria and Jessica's smiling and she's like, oh, could that be John Pfeiffer who's just walked in? They all mm. laugh. And Lila's like, oh, you know, whatever. I was just thinking about something else. That's all. But they all kind of tease her about liking John. Um, apparently, they've been kind of talking at the lockers every morning for the past few days. Uh, and I think Caroline then points out that Jennifer and John have split up, but she didn't realize there was something brewing between him and Lila. And Lila insists there's nothing brewing. We're just friends. That's all. Uh, and again, it's all played, you know, like, oh, we're just teasing and it's all very jokey and grand. Mm. But it's impossible to read it that way when we know what book is next. Yes, uh, because can you read us out, please? I can indeed, because yes, our kind of tagline at the end is what's going on between Lila and John Pfeiffer. Find out in Sweet Valley High number 90. Don't go home with John. Yikes. Just to bring a crashingly depressing end to what actually was quite a fun book but yeah, yeah that's uh, uh that's where we are now yeah i mean the two books in the series that is just you you know that are unequivocally grim are friend against friend and don't go mm-hmm. home with john and uh yeah yeah uh again consider this an absolute content warning feel free to skip next week's episode if you do not want to hear oh, yeah. very high tackle um sexual violence because that is what this book mm-hmm. is about if, unless you don't know which i mean i'm pretty sure you do if you've listened to this podcast for a while in fact we've been booing john Piper through <laughs> we've been booing him solid solidly <laughs> booing john for a hundred episodes now yeah. so yeah that was your first clue <laughs> well on a more cheerful note do we have any stats and outfits hmm. we do so the blondness got three mentions um oh. the blue green eyes got four which actually isn't bad uh, yeah, and then quite mm, yeah and quite enjoyably then people toss their hair uh four times which is always a delight <laughs> Wow, that is quite a lot. And uh, it is a lot of hair tossing. Uh, then, in terms of outfits, so we have yes, uh, when Jessica and Lila are at the mall, when Lila is showing off her lovely purple hair, which I'm still team purple hair on this. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of Sweet Valley. Um, so yes, they point out that Jessica is busy Sorry. at one point. So Jessica is trying to decide between pink overalls and patterned lilac leggings. Which, I just don't I mean, see. I don't see Jessica degrees because that's what they mean by overalls. I'm pretty sure. That's true. Yeah, and yeah, I guess I don't either. But I do love the thought of pink dungarees. And well, she goes for the patterned lilac leggings. We find out later because they are described as being in a in a bag she's holding or something. So she made the right choice for her, mm. uh, for sure. But still, like, I mean, my goodness, what a delightful <laughs> combination of things. Um, when they go, when, oh yeah, Livia and Rod go on that double date with Liz and Todd, Liz shows up all casual because she's wearing shorts and a sweatshirt, her damp hair pulled into a loose ponytail. Um, and that's the point that, yeah, Olivia starts to feel all overdressed uh, because she's wearing her wildly patterned tights, which we're a big fan of. Um, of course. What else do we have? 
then there was uh, oh yes there was Jessica's velvet leggings of course mm-hmm. uh, and when um, Ned and Alice were heading out uh for a fancy dinner oh yeah when Jessica slagged off poor Alice's outfit apparently yes so uh, Ned was wearing his best grey suit uh, and Alice was wearing a beige silk dress that Jessica had never seen before and her favourite pearl necklace so she thought she was looking all classy and lovely but of course Jessica Mm. disagreed like a great uh, unfortunately for Alice. If I remember right. Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> she was not a fan. Um, I'm still not really sure what a graham cracker is or no. graham cracker the way Americans oh, say. Yeah. Just like I, I don't know what this is. Um, is it like a cream cracker? <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. Or like a tuck cracker. I oh, I have no idea. Or yellow. Hmm. Or isn't there like a cereal that's like. <gasps> Ram oh. crackers, cereals, grain. Okay, we we'll have to investigate I this because I mean, I thought I knew. Again, now I realize, like, <laughs> like so many things. In this yeah, and I've, this is it. It's one of these things I've just heard of loads and just never bothered looking into. Um, so then, oh yes, finally we have Jessica's outfit when she is getting ready to meet Sam. So she is pulling her wardrobe apart looking for an outfit because so far she has violet socks and deep purple leggings. So she's basically wearing camouflage in that room of hers, which we now know is entirely painted purple. But um, she was on the hunt for her big pink t-shirt uh, because she needed a big pink top to wear with her purple leggings and purple socks. And I love the sound of this outfit. So good for you, Jessica. I hope she found a pink top in the end. <laughs> I think we could safely say she did. Well, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is that it for the outfits? That's a pretty good, colourful range. Yes, sorry. That's that. Do you know, it actually very colourful, very vivid uh, mm. patterns and colours and uh, a lot of pastel going on this time around. But yes, great fun to be had there. Well, listeners, what did you think of uh, Elizabeth portrayed? Were you as entertained as we are? Did you, uh, what do you think about Elizabeth's crime? Does it count as plagiarism or not? Is it merely not citing a source? Uh, did she deserve to be kicked off the Oracle? We love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at SVH Podcast. Now, we did mention last week that this was the first time we'd seen a twin in profile. Now, several people did point out that the cover of uh, the iconic power play does have the twins looking at each other, but they're mm. not full on 90 degree profiles. Like they're Mm-mm. sort of... No, like you can angle. see... Yeah, you can... That's it. You can see both eyes. So I feel like the one from last week was the first, as we're saying, Podrick Pierce full on <laughs> straight profile, just one eyeball in play. That's what we were looking for. <laughs> so uh, we do appreciate the, it being pointed out to us. Uh, but yeah, I still think we were we were pretty spot on. Um, and uh, yeah, there was a few people just replying, hashtag free Jeffrey. Shannon Schultz said, Todd and Liz have a misunderstanding. You don't say. That's how I like them. And hashtag Jeff is best. <laughs> oh, poor Jeffrey. In fact, there was actually quite a few uh, people with Jeffrey thoughts. We got some DMs oh. as well. So um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth uh, Lavek said, pointed out that Lila was into Jeffrey too back along. So maybe yes. she's after hiding him somewhere in Fowler Crest and only feeds him fancy French dinners. <laughs> 
And also, wasn't Enid vaguely into him too? Like they were, I mean, I'd like to think he's in Fire Crest, but I think, you know, wasn't it a love triangle between Liz trying to fix Mm. Jeffrey up with Enid and Jessica trying to fix him up with Lila? So, you know, the gloves are off. I think I think Edith has the butterfly net, but Lila, you know, does have that Fowler Crest uh, luxury. So let's hope he's she's there. it's true. She's you know, for his sake, yes, because Halloway also made a great point, which was that Enid has serious Misty from Yellow Jackets fights. As Ali put it, I wouldn't be surprised to find she's got a parrot, a true crime obsession, secret cameras in Liz's room, a history of cannibalism, along with Jeffrey in the basement. So let's hope for his sake that he's actually holed up in Fowler Crest somewhere and not actually in Eden's Misty from Yellow Jacket's basement. If if she gives you a cigarette, Jeffrey, do not smoke it. Don't don't do it. Oh, God. Right age, too. Mm. Well, oh um, we had, uh, <laughs> sorry, just uh, is this from Raphael Ernest Jallo uh, said on Twitter, the premise of this book is that the small town of Sweet Valley has hundreds of people who want to pay for a stranger to write important, important personal letters to their lovers slash parents slash friends. That's not a plot. That's a conceptual <laughs> art project. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Lazy Leslie Nope uh, posted a picture of Todd and Elizabeth going for a stroll on the Sweet Valley Beach and causing a sensation. And it's a catalogue photo <laughs> of a couple: one with flowing blonde hair, one with tousled black girls and possibly coffee-coloured eyes, and they're wearing coordinating <laughs> shell suits. <laughs> <laughs> They are truly oh, ridiculous. Um, a sight to behold. Now, we got a lot more than any other topic. We got um, a lot of letters about the, or messages about the US postal system. We've learned so much. Oh my God. So yeah, I had no idea you could just hand your post to a mailman or a passing mail carrier whoever your post person is um yeah did not know that was the case and also that like with american letterboxes you can put your outgoing post in there as well i was not aware of that this blew my mind because i have seen in real life (laughs) and in films and tv programs you know the american post little mailbox on the end of your drive Mm. with a little flaggy thing that goes up and down thought that was just decoration no idea it was like a post (laughs) messaging service (laughs) I presume the little flag meant you have post. So it's like, oh, the flag's up. We've got post. Let's go get it. But it's also to do with signaling that you've post to go. I'm, okay, I'm, it's one or the other. I don't know. Um, no, here's OTW Nostalgia said, they have little flags ah. in them that you flip up when you have outgoing mail yeah. in the box for the carrier to pick up. Okay. So, that's so it is it for outgoing Though she wow. did say, although oh. I'm pretty sure if you tried to hand a postman dozens of letters at a time, they might seriously considering burning your house down. So with, <laughs> as usual, we're being totally dicks. I mean, yes, they would be within their rights there. I think, yeah, people then had questions about the Irish postal system because, you know, you can't just hand it to your postman or post lady or post person. You have to uh, yeah. 
either handed in to the post office or to a post box once it's yeah. stamped and addressed and good to go. You can just drop it. Like there's post boxes everywhere. So yes. it's not a big deal to uh, to drop it in a post box on the street. Yeah, yeah somebody because somebody got in touch. I can't find the message, but somebody said that there's only like one post box in their town, whereas there are like uh, three post boxes within five minutes walk of my house. Like they are. Yeah everywhere Same, yeah so all you have to mm-hmm. do as long as you have a stamp uh, is to just you know pop it in a post box and they are all over the place so yep. it is actually easier mm-hmm. to pop it in your post box than like or to post in a local public post box than uh try and hunt down a postman um <laughs> so yeah we have this is so, this has been so educational uh we have you know and hopefully we've educated you listeners about the irish postal service now somebody did ask it about in uh dubliners um they uh they said that um they had been reading dubliners recently and joyce referred to the post office directory um which uh which i think was just like you know the equivalent of a phone book of about the mm. you know a list of of where post offices were or possibly it was a um, you know an actual central post box that like served as a you know sorting office or something but uh, it's not a common thing here now maybe 110 no. years ago but um, I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes it was olive q-tip was the person i've just seen her message now who said our town only has one ah. freestanding mailbox and it's out in front of the post office so ah. i indeed sent most of my outgoing mail from my own mailbox at the curb um whereas uh uh-huh. yeah we have post boxes every five seconds so uh we've i guess we We've learned that something as simple as the post could be different in many lands. This is the sort of thing that the teachers of Great Valley would have learned on their fact-finding mission. <laughs> there you go. Every day is a school day. Um, oh, we, all, we also we did get a message from Wayferoki. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to read this out to you now, and you have to give it some proper consideration. Okay. Okay. Go on. So, was this a DM? If you, I, could have, if, I must have missed yeah. it. Ah. Okay, if you had to choose, what would be worse? A Hershey chocolate bar that tastes like sick or drinking microwaved tea? Oh, Oh my God. Yeah, because when I tell you I read that and it ruined my day, I could not just even begin to, to... work through what the uh the answer there is i genuinely can't choose it's it's a it's it's a terrible situation it's like just different flavors of shit like i can't (laughs) oh what a hideous thought that's now in my mind oh my goodness (laughs) why do you do this to us listeners why why <laughs> if it's not clams, it's this. Oh, oh well, at least it's not clams. I thought clams were going to be involved in this, but I guess we should be grateful. No, by the way, for we, for once, it was a horrifying DM that had nothing to do with clams. Yeah, it usually is people sending pictures of clams. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, of uh, eatables and drinkables, Katie Longstreet said, "I think there should be a drink called the Playful Punch, something fruity with an umbrella and enough liquor that you, when that when you have too much of it, you end up in an unnecessarily convoluted situation that makes you run away crying." <laughs> <I love it. laughs> 
it's so good oh my god i love that <laughs> we also got uh we got two emails from from two different people oh who had god. very similar experiences um, <laughs> to one of liz's recent b plots where she went rogue and uh put out her article that uh, the chrome dome tried to censor from the oracle uh so amazingly Sometimes Sweet Valley does, in fact, reflect people's high school experiences, oh my uh, Lord. which is shocking. But yeah, so we got an email. We got an email from Caitlin Fitzgerald, who told us that now, what was it? Her, yeah, her and her friend Alana did a very similar thing to Liz and made their own zine in response to failures of her school newspaper. Uh, so the reason for this, it wasn't quite as noble as a battle against patriarchy, apparently. So <laughs> traditionally... Our school paper did profiles of seniors throughout the year, football players before the big game, members of the orchestra before music night, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So her senior year, a sophomore was editor of the paper and she thought it was unfair that only seniors got profiled, not actually seeing that it actually was fair because it meant each class had their turn. So then her senior class was the first not to get any of these profiles. So her and her friend Alana decided to do the senior football profiles themselves in a zine. They did a bunch of interviews and photos (laughs) Uh, of all the seniors on this team, added in a few bits and bobs, poetry and opinions by a few of our friends. How very Olivia Davidson of you guys. Um, <laughs> a list of a list of people and things we liked that we called the Mad Cool list. It was 1994. Excellent. Literally cut and pasted everything together. Got one of our teachers to help out with the copying, and then by the end of the day on the pep rally day, they were being approached by swarms of total strangers looking for copies. They had to <gasps> reprint several times and ended up doing an issue a month for the rest of senior year, which amazing. <gasps> like oh, that is little so legends. good. I love it. So good. And amazingly, this wasn't even the only one. Do you have the other email here or will I uh, I think you it? should share it because... Uh, okay, so then we've got another email. <laughs> so we got an email then from Janine Cash, uh, who had a listen to my best friend's boyfriend, was <laughs> amused slash surprised slash somewhat horrified to discover that Liz's school paper B-plot closely resembled something that happened to her. I just, I <gasps> love this so much that it was like two completely different people who had the same experience. <laughs> so Janine was on the school paper staff in 10th grade. They had written an article about what the freshmen and sophomores thought of each other, typical of the hard-hitting serious journalism we were known for. <laughs> The, the article included quotes from the students, some of which included language such as freshmen are a pain in the butt. And the principal <laughs> took great offence to the word butt. <laughs> the entire newspaper staff and or sponsor were called into the principal's office and ordered to rip the offending page out of every copy of the paper. Oh we God. did so, but my fellow staffers and I saved a large stack of papers with the original article intact and passed them out on the sly. I guess the <gasps> students uh, we just, I guess the students we thought were hip enough to pick up, but we were buttoned down. We were taking it to the streets, baby. <laughs> Eat your hearts out, Woodward and Bernstein. We were puffed up with self-righteousness knowing we had defeated the menace of censorship and defended everyone's right to read the word but (laughs) (laughs) oh bravo bravo so good oh my my goodness so honestly well done just huge round of applause for everybody who amazingly had this exact experience that 
existed. I just can't believe we got two completely different emails where you basically did the same thing as Liz and I fucking love it. Sticking it to the man for the important principle of saying the word but. I mean, it's... You've got to love it. It's amazing. Heroic. Um, Though speaking of writing, a bit like this from Claire PH, I couldn't get over the amount of effort people had to go to to use letters or us. Writing a long letter to the twins, (laughs) describing everything that they wanted to say in the letter they didn't want to write. Um, Yeah, like... (laughs) It's a lot of trouble, I have to say. Um, So much. Oh my God. And uh, we, uh, we also heard from Victoria Feltham, who said, by the way, I have a baby nephew called Max and I found myself singing Sweet Baby, Sweet <laughs> Baby Max to the tune of the SBH TV show theme tune. <laughs> I've got a baby nephew too, so I'm going to have to adopt this. So I, I fully approve of this song. I think his mother will approve yes. too. She was a fan oh, back in the day. I'm sure she would. And well, this is the thing. And I mean... As, as a podcast, we're big fans of singing nonsense to pets and babies. So we mm. fully endorse this idea. <laughs> we do. Well, listeners, it's been a wild ride. It's been nearly three hours long. So I think it's we will bid you all farewell. But <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us. And uh, if you would like to hear us even more often, you can sign up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, so for as little as five euros a month, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show uh, and it'll get you access to our bonus content, which is Pi Beta Alpha. So that's our bonus series that we put out in the weeks that these episodes don't come out. So it gets you weekly Sweet Valley nonsense into your podcast feed. Uh, So yeah, we're recapping the TV series episode by episode, having a great time with it because it is absolutely off the wall uh, (laughs) and takes some very unexpected twists and turns. (laughs) So many twists and turns. I mean, uh, I'm still not right after what we saw in a recent episode. (laughs) If, if you know, you know. But yes, we're all scared <laughs> from Miss Kitty's corner. <laughs> Aren't we helperinos? Well, uh, yeah, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month and uh, you can choose to support um, just us or you can choose to spread your your contribution over uh, several shows in the network and you will get access to everybody's bonus content uh, including the fortnightly pi beta alpha um and if you know that's something you're you're up for at the moment you can also support the show by rating and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast we remembered to ask you to do this in the last episode and some of you did so thank you so much but if you're enjoying the show and you haven't done that yet please do write a review because we have been reliably informed it helps people find the show not sure how but uh, just accept this as a fact (laughs) that's what it is yeah (laughs) so Listeners, we will see our uh, Pi Beta Alpha sisters in the clubhouse next week. And we will see everybody else here in, well, everybody else, unless you want to skip it. In which case, seriously, feel oh. free. We'll see you in a month. Yeah. It's, the next one is In Love mm. with the Prince. It'll be ridiculous. So, you know, you will miss nothing of import if, you know, this is you know, yeah. the greater scheme of Sweet Valley. Um, if you don't want mm. to put yourself through this. Um, but uh, I can, I'll leave you in a vaguely lighter note. 
when I was living with my two male housemates, John and Owen, back in the uh, er, very early noughties, my housemate John found a copy of this book and put it on the mantelpiece of our sitting room with a post-it over the title saying, there is no reason anybody would ever say or even <laughs> think. <laughs> and we will see you here in two weeks when we find out why everybody says, Oof. don't go home with John. Mm. Mm. See you then, everybody. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.